This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right by. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. Garcia's home. Hanson scores. Sacks win. What a comeback. Trubisky escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run. Look at him go. There's the athleticism for the rookie. Back toward the wall. It's gone. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. Remember, you've got to hit the ball where it stops. Boy, I wish that would be the last we talked about the U.S. Open until. Wow, until, all right. Oh, yeah, I come yeah, back I mean, Wednesday. Sure, good. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner. I'm trying to figure out, guys, as we have plenty to talk about today. We're going to have mm-hmm. Kevin Egan from BN Sports on at 930 talking about the World Cup. Game just ended. Serbia won nothing over Costa Rica. Jesse Rogers down in red hot St. Louis says the Cubs bats have been red hot for two games in a row. In the 11 o'clock hour, we hope to be talking with either Matt Vasgersian or Jessica Mendoza, someone from that ESPN broadcast team that will be doing the uh, Cubs and Cardinals later on this evening on ESPN. And then at 11.30, a feature that uh, Adam Abdallah and Eric have been uh, giddy about almost the last couple of days. Wow, you, Some, there's a new feature? Summer of Nick. The Summer of oh, Nick. Okay. Right. Well, it's all, I mean, the draft is Thursday, Yeah, we'll talk about so basketball, too. I just want to know, Nick has made a conscious, normally during the summer, Nick goes to like Japan or like Australia or somewhere, he goes somewhere like exotic that he He's never been to, but this time he's decided to like stay in the city, right? And enjoy uh, some time off before the NBA season starts and free agency and all that stuff. So I want to know how Nick is enjoying uh, this foreign city to him. Yes, how he's enjoying Chicago, the city he lives in, yeah. yet he doesn't experience, he doesn't know anything yeah. about okay. it other than Wrigley and Ditka's. All yeah, right, he Fair was enough. pointy. It was funny because he was well. The one thing too, though, for the people that live in the in the burbs, because you guys have always lived, you've lived in the city since you moved from Libertyville to yeah. downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people that live in the burbs and don't live in the city, they never come down here. No, they and, almost yeah. never come yeah. down oh, here yeah. unless it's a concert or Maybe something like that. Yeah. yeah, every once in a while. So they, that I understand. Nick lives in the city. Yes, yeah, he does. He comes here all the time. It's fascinating how he lives in the city, yet uh, he only knows like three different landmarks: the yeah. Advocate Center, Dicka's, and Wrigley. Oh, Cheval. And, yeah, and Wrigley. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the bur- <laughs> he knows a lot of burger places. Yes, he does. Uh, so we'll get to all that too. We will talk a little bit about the U.S. Open, and I do mean a little bit. And uh, we will talk some soccer. But we're going to talk Cubs because, you know what, after being shut out two games in a row, the North Siders have uh, they've actually hit the ball. They've had five homers in the last couple of games. They've had, what was it, 24 hits, five homers, 19 runs, and they beat the Cardinals in back-to-back games. Kyle Hendricks gets a win last night. You want to jump in, 312-332-3776. And... Did Jason Hayward finally figure it out? Is he just on a hot streak? Has he made a deal with the devil? He said he, he found hit in the head. He, he said he found his hands. Where were they before? <laughs> I don't know. He found it. They're always <laughs> the last place you look. They were clearly missing, right? Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, Jason Hayward playing well, and I, I think that that is something that you can look for as a positive as a Cubs fan because uh, the norm, the normal narrative is you can't really play him because of the bat. Right. He gives you plus fielding. Unless the sun's um, in his eyes. Unless the sun's in his yeah. eyes, and, and that's so, okay, you're, you're the Chicago Cubs. The yeah. Now you need some more consistency, though, from your top dogs, not just the guys at the bottom of the lineup. And I know Hayward hit, what, second last night? But still, he is a guy that you're not expecting good production from. Fred and I were on uh, Friday night, and before the Cubs game, we were saying, all right, we need to see the bats. The bats woke up yeah, on Friday they had night. 14 hits on Friday night. Only two home runs, so that, that was good. They, they had, had three, three yeah, on yeah, Friday night. Okay, so, yeah. you know, it, this is what you need from this team. Yeah. If you're going to be a team that's going to compete for a championship, you need more consistent offense and not just piling on 15 runs against the Reds every once in a while. You need to do this against good teams like the Cardinals. Well, and if you would have gone out uh, before yesterday's game and looked at Friday's game, you would have thought they would have gotten shut out because that's been the Cubs trend. You score over 10 runs, you get shut out the next night. Then tonight they would go in and score 10 runs. But tonight you look for the sweep. Uh, You've got Jose Quintana going. Kyle Hendricks had a good outing yesterday. uh, Despite the first inning that he seems to continue to struggle through the first inning. And again, we're looking at the Cubs and talking about how this will affect the postseason. Yep. How not being able to manufacture runs and living and dying by the home run will affect the postseason. How Kyle Hendricks giving up three runs in the first inning will affect the postseason. How only having two and a half pitchers you can rely on will affect the postseason right now. I mean, ultimately, you hope you Darvish comes back and is healthy and can be a contributing member of the staff for the postseason. But ultimately, right now, you've got... Two guys and Jose Quintana's hit or miss. And that's all you can really trust right now in the Cubs rotation. Yeah, he is. Uh, we're going to hear a cut from Joe Madden. You guys played in uh, the best of 1,000. It was a great cut. Also, we're going to get to the stats that uh, you had that you quoted. Uh, Buster only. he had some stats about the Cubs and their wins and in their losses. But Kyle Hendricks yesterday, he ended a personal three-game losing streak. Listen to this. The Cubs had scored three runs total in the last three games that he pitched and lost in, okay? Uh, he'd also given a, a home run in each outing. The homer he gave up to Ozuna yesterday um, was the 14th he's given up this year. He gave up 17 all of last year. 17 homers all of last year. Um, half of the homers have been in the first inning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, Fred, you bring up the offensive production when Kyle Hendricks is on the mound, and that's why the win-loss stat is such a misleading stat, right? Like, okay, they scored no runs when he's been on the mound in the last three games, so no wonder he broke a streak of a three-game losing streak Mm -hmm. while pitching. So, I mean, he's been decent, and you've seen great performances from John Lester. Hendricks has been decent, and now you need... More from the rest of the rotation, as Abdallah was saying, because with Quintana going today, he's been good for the last couple of outings. But now you got to keep it rolling because that's one of the guys that you're really leaning on for the rest of this season and in the playoffs. Because right now, Quintana is going to be your third ace in in a playoff yeah. series. So that means you have the possibility if it's a seven game series, he might have to be used twice. Well, like, is it Mike Montgomery's fault that the Cubs lost one to nothing against the no. Brewers a couple days ago? Right? No, it's not. Uh, so you've well, got it's almost like though I, I I understand and again I'm old so I when guys win a lot yeah I I, I consider they they were pitching well and their team won when they lose sometimes I agree with you there's a lot of times you lose Mark Burley for a longest time mm-hmm. couldn't get any runs Quintana with the White Sox they didn't mm-hmm. score runs for him those things happen so sometimes I think the loss numbers are out of whack but 
In order to get wins, you still got to be out there for five innings, and your team's got to be winning when you leave. So that's not a bad stat. Sure. You know, I know that people all say wins and losses don't, you know, when, when you look at pitchers. But I think wins are important. Losses, not so much. I think wins you can you can just count up as wins. Losses you have to go through and look at. Yeah. So like when Mike Montgomery you're like, oh well, he's got the loss or the no decision. Like, well, they lost one to nothing. They couldn't right. manufacture any runs when he was out there. So how is that his fault? Yeah. But if they would have won one to nothing, you're like, oh, Mike Montgomery got the win. Okay, good for him. Well, here's a here's a stat you guys may or may not find interesting. This is probably from Chris Kamka. Uh, I've get most of my stuff from him. Most of them are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox are five and nine this season. In Lucas Giolito starts. He's got a seven nineteen ERA. Uh, the Cubs are five and nine. In Kyle Hendricks starts, and he has a three fifty five ERA. So in games that Giolito and Hendricks pitch, the t- their teams have the same record. Yeah, five and nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Giolito's got an awful uh, ERA seven nineteen. He gave up yesterday. He gave up two home runs, a two run shot, and a three run shot, and gave up five runs. Sometimes you can that happens. Well, Stuff they're like second overall in team ERA. They're third in earned runs, and they're second in opponent opponents batting average as a team, mm-hmm. as a staff. So they're pitching well, yeah, for the most part. But it's it's the offense that's inconsistent. Here, here's the difference, though. You say it happens. Well, guys are on base, so of course it happened. Like he he is the he is the reason why guys, guys are, on are on base. base right? So he yeah. walked he walked yeah. several guys yesterday too. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. But then he gave up the home runs. So, you know, that, that hurts, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> but, yes, you know, it does. And, and I know I've been saying for, for a long time that it's it's the home. The Cubs need to get home runs in order to win. Well, they've got five the last two games, and they've won both of those. But Joe Madden was real happy yesterday because he's seeing guys actually uh, score runs without hitting the long ball. That is uh, my number one priority offensively, I would say. Uh, homers will come. Pitchers throw homers. When hitters try, just try to hit homers on all the pitches that are thrown to them, the result's normally bad. Uh, let pitchers throw you home runs. Be in position, hit the ball hard with two strikes. Understand they're not giving you that pitch you normally can drive out of the ballpark. So why not at that? And that's really what I'm... Uh, that's where the action's going to come back into the game. That's where you're going to get more movement. That's where you're going to get the entertainment you're looking for. We get to the playoffs. You need to be able to do things like you're seeing good pitching all the time. Good pitchers just don't throw cookies and say, here, hit home runs. But we have to learn how to manufacture when the pitches aren't there to hit over the wall. And and he as he was saying that, he was happy because he's been saying for the last couple of years, whenever the Cubs lose and they don't hit homers, he said and they leave guys on scoring position, he says, We gotta learn how to move the ball. Move the ball. And I'm I'm shocked it's not one of his shirts. It's gotta be a shirt. Move, move the, the ball, ball with move the glasses it. and everything on it. It's gotta be one of his shirts coming up soon. But um if you watched the game last night, there was a situation where the Cardinals had one out Runners at first and third, and Colton Wong was at the plate. Mm-hmm. Colton Wong had like a one-and-one one count, and the pitch came in, and Colton Wong swung and missed. And John Smoltz said, and John Smoltz said a lot of things last night. I didn't catch oh, all of yeah. them, but apparently he, uh, yeah. he doesn't, I don't know if he likes baseball. Um, but he did, <laughs> well, he, he said, uh, he said something that made so much sense. He said, Colton Wong just swung at that ball like he wanted to put it out of the ballpark. He said, there's runners at first and third and one out. He's got to learn how to just put the bat on the ball and get that runner from third in. And that's some of the stuff that Joe Madden talks about. It's difficult because, you know, somewhere there's an agent in the back of the guy's head saying, you know, if you hit a three-run homer, you're going to make lots of money. Mm-hmm. If you just get a single and a run scores, eh, that's nice, and the team might win. But you may not get as much the next time it comes contract time. You look at the game yesterday, the Cubs were down 2 nothing, and then Russell homered, and then... 
in the fifth and seventh inning to tie the game again and then to take the lead. Schwarber hit a single and Bryant scored. Right. And then half doubled and Rizzo scored. And they were all with two outs and two strikes. Exactly. So yeah. they were yesterday when they needed to, they were manufacturing runs. Yesterday was a game that you want to see. Like the stereotypical, that's a good game for the Cubs. You're manufacturing runs and you're hitting home runs and you get good pitching. That's a perfect game. You put that game in uh, by itself, that's great. Now, today... They go out, they can't manufacture any runs. You, that's been the M.O. for the Cubs. They've well, been horribly inconsistent. Yeah, and Quintana's on the hill, so there's a chance, that, a good chance exactly. that can happen. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So. Well, and part of the problem with all of this is that uh, the Brewers are good. Right, because like the, theoretically, it. this Cubs team is really good, and their offense is good, and they've gotten pretty good uh, pitching efforts from, from everyone on the staff at this moment, except for you, Darvish. And they are, they're playing really good baseball. They have the highest, uh, run differential in the National League. And they are a good team. The problem is, so are the Brewers. So like, as we go through the summer, you have a team that is on pace with them, only a half game up. And like, this is kind of how it's going to go because the Cardinals are five games back now mm-hmm. and with a chance to go back from six, you know, uh, today, if yeah. they lose to the Cubs. So like, if the Brewers weren't this good, would we be having these conversations? Because the Cubs would be sitting alone in first place. Right, and it would just have a four-and-a-half game lead maybe. Right, four-and-a-half game yeah. lead, and it, it wouldn't be a problem. So are, are we being a little nitpicky on this whole thing? No. I, th- I think we, we are, but we also look at it, like you said earlier, Abdallah, in the context of we remember what happened in the NLCS last year against the Dodgers. The bats went quiet. You didn't have the ability to manufacture any runs when guys are throwing 100 miles per hour in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings of games. And that's where we kind of see these things and say, hey, how can the Cubs improve before mm-hmm. we get to that point again this year? I know you guys are young, but you remember 07 and 08 probably oh, yeah. when yeah. the Cubs were in the playoffs. Oh, no, and they went to the playoffs and they got yeah. I think they got swept both years, right? Yeah. And they didn't hit. And Dusty Baker got blamed. And, you know, you know me and managers, I don't, you know, I think you, me, and I think if Dalla can go manage the Cubs right now, they can finish the season in first place in the Central. <laughs> I don't anyway, think they want that. Well, they probably don't. Yeah. Because I don't know if he'll be as good in press in post games as uh, as Joe Madden would no. be. Oh, I'd be great in post game oh. press guy. Are you kidding me? The, I got to talk to the media every day. We'd be like best friends. Well, you know, Fred. Uh, to to the carry on that point, it's uh, baseball is an office job, and the manager sets the culture in the office. Yeah. But the manager isn't really sitting there helping you make your sales calls every single day, right? right. And like that's where baseball is both a team sport and it's an individual sport. It's team on defense and theoretically the offense is a collective team, but when you go up there, you're by yourself. It's one on one. It's one on one. It's a one on one sport yes, it is. in a team atmosphere. Yeah. And that's what's uh, very interesting about the whole sport overall. It is. Well, you know, in those two years, the the Cubs in 07 and 08, they get to the postseason. Everything's great, and then they don't hit, and they, they lose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they got there in, in 16, they hit enough, obviously. They win. Uh, they've been in the NLCS three years in a row. They're looking for four. And Joe is just trying to make them. You know, their, their record is so much better this year than it was last year at this time. Yes, it is. So they were just a little over 500, I think, at this point. Right. Now, right now, they're 13 games over 500. So. And Fred, uh, last night, so John uh, John Spoltz kept talking about how this team is young, and that the they Cubs just team. need, yeah, and yeah. they just need to eventually figure it out as a collective unit, uh, and and really um, find consistency. And that's where last hour I was talking with Abdallah about this is 
Is that a Cubs thing or because like so many young teams in baseball are not having the same issues that Cubs are having with consistency at the plate with young players. Do you see that with the Astros? Do you see that with the Yankees? Uh, I know Sanchez was struggling for a while, but I think he homered last night for the Yankees. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's interesting to me because Smoltz kept talking last night about how, like, this team just kind of needs to get, get their legs underneath each uh, themselves and, like, get some age and, and kind of develop together. And it's like, yeah, but all the young teams in baseball are all playing really well. And this team has played together for how long? Well, right. Yeah. I like, mean, Russell, is Russell a young player anymore? No, Russell. I mean, but they might young be young. Wise, but they not, might be young yeah. age-wise, but is how Bias long? Is a young player anymore? How long has Zobrist and Hayward and Bryant and Rizzo and Schwarber the and Russell been how, together for like, How long have they been playing years. together? Exactly. Yeah, three, four, yeah. 15, 16, 17. Um, and and Almora is finally getting a chance. We got to get to an, uh, at least a headline that's in the Sun Times that surprised me just a little bit. Uh, the one thing about John Smoltz, though, when he talks about it, the first thing I thought of was John Smoltz is talking about the team coming together, and mm-hmm. John Smoltz was fortunate to have guys like Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox and the pitching staff with him. He had Steve Avery at one time, and guess what? They won fourteen straight division titles. They won one World Series, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying I'm just saying you know John you got you got there you won once the Cubs have won once already so you know I, and that's why it's so important to have this consistency going into the postseason because you don't want to you be don't want to win just once the Braves yeah you don't want to be the Bears you don't want to be the you don't want to be the Bears either no you don't no you're right and the window is closing faster than you think. Well, because there's a lot of teams with a lot of young players coming yeah, up. Right. Are- and and before we know it, it'll be 2021, 2022, and you look back on this run, this great era of Cubs baseball, and you have to say, how many, how many rings did we collect? Mm-hmm. And there's so many good young teams, and this is the window. This is when you have Chris Bryant on his first deal and not his second, his right. mega deal. This is before you spend big on Bryce Harper or May Machado or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is the window. All the young players up at once. How many rings will you collect when we're when it's all said and done? Five years in the future. Yeah, you got teams like Philadelphia, which is young, Atlanta, which Atlanta. is really young and finds himself with a two and a half game lead in the division. Washington, not so young, but then they bring a guy that's nineteen up, and you know, right. all of a sudden he's playing, you know, out of his mind in right. Juan Soto. So before, since we're not going to talk about the U.S. Open for a long time because we got <laughs> soccer talk and Cubs talk, I just want to ask you guys: What would you compare that to? What Phil Mickelson did yesterday. As the ball's going past the hole, as it's still rolling, he goes and hits it. I was trying to figure it out, and, and I came up with, and it doesn't. it's not even close, really, but you know when there's a foul in basketball and the yeah. guy still takes a shot, mm-hmm. and then the guy jumps up and swats it into the stands because sure. he doesn't want the ball to get into the yeah. into the hole? Yeah. Uh, my... I saw it on Twitter, so I don't remember who tweeted it. So I'm not gonna. T- I'm not. I want to say Let's it's give it my to Chris own. Kamka. Maybe yeah, it's Chris it. Kamka came up with it. It's a defensive player uh, committing a uh, pass inter- intentional pass interference and not giving up a touchdown in- instead. Okay. So you take the 15 yards, or you take the spot foul or whatever it is, whether it's college or pro, and instead of giving up a touchdown, that's what you do. But you, don't, so, you don't get any uh, questions of disqualification for doing that. Exactly. Like people in don't. golf are questioning why Phil wasn't disqualified. You take, yeah. your, you take your yardage penalty and you move on. Just so, like he took his stroke penalty, and now he's, he's not going to yeah. win. So he's, trust me, those two strokes or whatever it is, is going to cost him. Because however sure, many places you money. move down, right. it's going to cost him money. Yeah. So don't act like, oh, well, they just gave him two strokes in. No, 
It's yeah. he knew exactly what he was doing, and he knows how much it's going to cost right. him. And yeah, it doesn't matter. He's a millionaire, whatever. Who cares for him? But still. He knows exactly what he was doing. He'll place a big bet on a game today and he'll win. Yeah, he'll be he's fine. A big, he's a big gambler. We all yeah. know that. He'll bet Phil. on Dustin Johnson to win. All right. Yeah. I mean, uh, how many times have you guys done that on the court? A ton. Yeah, well, here's the, here's the biggest question. Today is Father's Day. Yeah. I don't have any kids either. I've got two goddaughters, and they better both contact me. Um, but, but today's Father's Day. And what do a lot of people do with their father today on Father's Day? They go golfing. Yeah. yeah. How many people are going to do that today? What do, what do you think the percentage is? Like, Anywhere from forty to seventy percent, there will be there will be at least one person who's putting, and the ball's going to miss the hole, and they're going to go and hit it back. How many Especially times? Especially because of Phil, they're going to have more fun on the course today than they've ever had yeah. on Father's Day. How many times have you just picked up the ball and not putted it in, and just oh. be like, "It's a gimme"? Yeah, oh, yeah. Give How me many a seven. Exactly. Give me an eight. Give me a yeah. Yeah, I'll take. Give me a snowman. Take, I'll take the I'll seven. Take yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just pick it up. Could you imagine if he did that instead? Come on, <laughs> Corp Dolly. My situation yesterday, uh, I should have taken the gimme because I missed the gimme. Yeah, so, exactly. You just so I mean, you know, sometimes the pride of like, no, I'll just put it out, and then I missed it anyway. So, have you golfed with people who? I mean, I know if it's for money, I understand, I guess. But if you have you golfed with people where you just keeping the score, and the guy, and then you say that's a gimme, and the guy said, no, nah, you got to put it. And it's like really, I hate it's, it. Yes, yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've <laughs> seen it. I think, I've seen it. Yeah, I think that when I came in, I think Abdallah might have thought that I would have been on. The other side. The no, rule, no, the no, 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 no. I know that there's a few times when we're on the same side and yeah. you and you like you hate the hot takes every once in a while. I knew when you were coming in that you would hate that people were talking about how he should be disqualified and and hold on as I as I read yeah. Josh Peter from MSN <laughs> Phil Mickelson turned 48 on Sunday or Saturday. Now he needs to grow up. During his disappointing round of 81 at the U.S. Open, he acted like a 12-year-old kid, the kind you want to send to reform school. Juan tweets us, uh, Mickelson was the equivalent of uh, uh, Suarez in the 2010 World Cup. When he bit the guy. When he used his hands. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, well, he got hit. And then, so and then he fine. bit someone. Yeah, so if Phil would have walked and off he, and he could bit a poor lady. save and his that. life the other yeah. day. The, the other thing that I, people might be surprised by, and I used to have a problem with it because, well, you know what? We're Chicago. We don't do those things. Those are stupid. People that go to a sporting event and pay money to go to a sporting event and they want to do the wave, go right ahead. I don't care if, what you want to do. You're a fan. You pay the money. You may not get to a game all that often because they're doing the wave in, in Russia at the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. It happens a lot. It'll happen. You'll see it at a card. I think they did it at the Cardinals game last people night. People get so mad when they do oh, it baseball know. games. I don't understand I it. I don't either. You know what? Have fun. How does it affect you that someone wants to stand up and sit down in unison? The only way it affects me is if I'm actually trying to watch the game and there's a person standing up. And, but that's but fine. If, if you're at yeah. the game, I get it. But if you're watching on TV and people are on Twitter, how are you? dare you doing the oh, wave yeah. at Wrigley? Shut up. Well, yeah. let me ask you this question. When does that ever happen during a close game? It doesn't. Oh, so blame the sport itself. Yeah. Your sport is boring. Oh, your team's losing by the eight bo- runs. The Bulls are down They're 40 points. They're trying to points. have fun. Uh, okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't stupid. lose. How about that? Yeah, don't lose is right. Uh, we come back where we hope to be talking with uh, BN Sports Kevin Egan. We'll talk some World Cup soccer. It has been very exciting. Even today's game, the Serbia and the uh, Costa Rica game where Serbia wins one nothing. It was a thrilling uh, game all the way to the end. And boy, oh boy, I almost was late getting down here because it took so long for it to finally end. <laughs> it's Abdallah Black Hubner. It is Chicago's game day on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Ronaldo through the
Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in Chicago's Game Day here on ESPN 1000. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner here until 12 noon. Uh, from 10 until 12, I may not talk a lot. Uh, Germany plays Mexico. I'll keep an eye on that one. I saw three guys walk by in Mexico jerseys. I was going to get in a rumble with my uh, Germany jersey. I don't like your chances. Not yeah, Fred, uh, three, three, yeah, three guys. Yeah. Listen, Fred, I'm rooting for uh, Team Mexico because the U.S. is not there. And uh, if you are not aware of this... More people are fans of the Mexican national team in this country than the U.S. men's national team. Yeah. So uh, their ratings do really well on TV. And I think uh, it would be fun to see them draw Germany. But I think ger- the Germans will win. As always, I'm rooting for the over. You know what's interesting, to me at least, and where we're hoping, we're trying to get in touch with Kevin Egan. He might be on TV on BN right now. I'm not sure. We're trying to track him down. Um but if you look at it, that's one of the problems the U.S. men's national team, and we'll get off them in a second because they're not playing in the World Cup, but that's one of the problems they have even in World Cup qualifying matches here in the United States because yeah. every time they have one at home here in the U.S., there are more fans for the other team. They would play Ecuador in New Jersey, and there would be more fans that are Ecuadorian fans than U.S. fans. So there's really nothing they can do about that. And, uh, you know, they could do what they could do what the Brewers and the Nashville Predators do. You know, try to limit the number of tickets that go to Chicagoans, but it would be difficult to say, you know, what, what are you going to look at the person's name? You know, I can't well, do that. Yeah, you know, ideally in this country, um, if you're a sports fan and you like rooting for the USA, ideally that soccer would catch on to the point where when the U.S. men's national team hosts a game in Santa Clara, yeah, uh, that it's not 80% supporting the Mexican national team right. and and not your team so you don't like cuz here's the problem it's not that you have other countries supporting the game mm-hmm. it's that the US almost never has their own home field advantage that's the problem because then when the US goes to Mexico City Azteca Stadium it they're going to lose that game anyway so the Usually, fact that they have they no have home ones. field yeah. no matter where they play Columbus New Jersey San Francisco, it's tough because they don't get the same support as other teams do. Well, it's nice to be talking now World Cup with another guy whose country's not in it. Uh, Ireland not there, USA not there, and I always like, it seems like I always tick off Kevin Egan from being sports before he comes on with us. (laughs) Hey, Kevin, what's going on? Hey guys, thanks for having me. No, I'm glad, glad you're able to jump on. I know you guys over at BN are are busy. I watched some of the halftime stuff you guys did recently, and for uh, you do it for all the games on Facebook Live. Some cool stuff. So uh, I know you're busy. I appreciate you jumping on. Real quickly, what are your what are your thoughts overall? I mean, we're in match day four, but there's already been like so many great games and great moments. I think in the in the World Cup. Yeah, I think it's been incredible. It's been one of the best. Uh, I go back to the U.S. in 1994, and I was only a kid, but that, for me, has always been my favorite World Cup. And with this one so far, I've been lucky enough to be working on it every day, so I've been trying to consume every single second of the action. And uh, to not have a nil-all game, for example, to have some belters like we saw earlier from Kolarov against Costa Rica, uh, some thrilling games like Portugal-Spain, I think it's had absolutely everything so far. I'm just thrilled, absolutely thrilled, that as of right now, Video review has not dominated the conversation. Instead, it's been the action on the pitch. Kevin, what's the more impressive feat? What Iceland did yesterday against Argentina or Cristiano Ronaldo's hat-trick on Friday? I think it's Ronaldo's hat-trick. And I'll tell you why. Iceland are inside the top 25 nations in the world. This is a a nation that got out of the group 
um, at the Euros and really capture the imagination of everybody there. It's a, it's a team that still has very talented players playing in, in, in good leagues in the world and a team that was always going to cause this Argentina side problems. Now, traditionally you look at Argentina and you say, yeah, they've got Lionel Messi and this is Iceland, a country with the population the same as Corpus Christi, Texas. So you think about that and you say, this is a complete mismatch. But this Icelandic team is, is, is a good side, you know, and they play some good football. So for me, I don't think the one-all draw was, was in any way really surprising in that game. Whereas what Cristiano Ronaldo did on the same day that it became public about having to pay $21 million in taxes to the Spanish government. I mean, what were you thinking? Don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. (laughs) Cristiano Ronaldo is going to play against you, one of the best predators in the game that the game has ever seen. And of course he was motivated, you know. So what Ronaldo did for me is a step above what Iceland did. We're about to see Germany, and later on today, Brazil. We haven't seen France or Belgium yet. Which oh, we saw the... France with Australia. France won oh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, France, yeah. Oh, sorry, that was, early. That was very yeah. early. It was early, so nobody actually saw it. Um, <laughs> out of the teams you've seen so far, who do you think is the biggest threat to one of the top uh, players in the game right now? Out of, the t- out of the teams we've seen, who do I think is the best threat to the top teams? Yes. I would think Portugal. Uh, and... Some may ask why Portugal are not a top-tier side because they won the Euros, but I, I don't think many people are putting them as a contender for this World Cup. It's, for most people, Spain, Germany, and Brazil. Um, we're about to see Brazil here at 1 o'clock central time. Uh, but Portugal, Portugal have an outstanding coach in Fernando Santos. They've got a real goal scorer and, and, and a great pieces around that goal scorer. They've got a defense that's incredibly experienced in Pepe and Jose Font with Ruben Diaz off the bench. They've got a great goalkeeper. They've got they've got so much talent on the bench. This is a side that's a sleeper for a lot of people. And a lot of people are sheerly focusing on two years ago when they played unattractive soccer and just about got over the line in the final. Whereas now they've introduced the likes of uh, Bernardo Silva at Man City. Uh, Bruno Fernandes is a guy who's going to make a big move, mark my words, after this World Cup. Um, and then Gonzalo Guedes plays at Valencia, who's an incredibly talented young player. So they've got all those pieces that I think can go so far around Cristiano Ronaldo, whereas Lionel Messi doesn't have talent around him. Not enough talent at that. So I think Portugal, for me, are a side that could, that could, that could win this tournament. Kevin Egan from BN Sports joining us for a few minutes here on ESPN 1000. Is, is the debate over now? Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's better than uh, Lionel Messi? Oh, just stop it. Someone as cultured as you when it comes to this game, it's you, to go on, on radio and, yeah. to go and say such a stupid thing. Trying, trying, Come to make, on. trying to make sure everybody's involved, you know. Oh, would you stop. Look, this is a conversation that we have because we enjoy these conversations in mm-hmm. sports fans, don't we? Whether it's Magic and Bird or, 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 or Federer and Nadal, you know, we want to draw these comparisons. Whereas the reality is, Lionel Messi is the smartest most gifted player on planet Earth right now. Cristiano Ronaldo is the most lethal predator in the world right now. They are so incredibly gifted at what they do, but what they do is so different. They can both score a lot of goals, and that's kind of the common denominator. But Lionel Messi drops deep. He's the playmaker. He's the one with 360 vision. He brings teammates into play. He, he, he sees passes that no one else on the planet sees. He's that sort of player. Whereas Cristiano Ronaldo... Um, my colleague at BN Sports, Ray Hudson, calls him the dark invader because he's that sort of um, sheer predator inside the six-yard box, and he's got a great strike. 
and he's he's the one that's probably pushed Messi, and Messi's pushed him maybe even more so to be the great player that he is, which has been wonderful for all of us. Because Ronaldo, Ronaldo's talents are there for all to see, but Ronaldo's work rate is what people probably don't recognise enough. He's pushed his game to a level that he probably shouldn't have ever had. Um, and now at 33 years of age, he's the oldest scorer of a hat-trick in the World Cup, um, the, the oldest before Cristiano Ronaldo was aged 30. So he smashed that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes and gets a hat-trick in four, year, four and a half years at that in Qatar, age 37, because he's that sort of character and he's got that personality that he's so incredibly driven and he's not retiring anytime soon. Kevin, when you look at uh, Messi, uh, put into perspective for the casual American fan who doesn't really follow soccer, what the pressure is mounting for Messi in Argentina since he's never won a World Cup, one of the greats in soccer history. What type of pressure is he facing in this tournament? So Maradona won a World Cup in 1986. Back then, the Champions League isn't what it is today as the main soccer competition where the best talent play in the world. The World Cup is a fantastic, jovial affair where you've got teams from all over the world can compete to get there, and you have 32 nations that go. But back then, the World Cup was the be-all, end-all, whereas the Champions League, Leo Messi's won four times. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's been incredibly successful with a great Barcelona side. But Maradona puts Argentina on his back. He did have a lot of talented pieces around him. It's a misconception to say he, he didn't. Um, but he won a World Cup in 86. Lionel Messi was born in 1987. He wasn't even around when that happened. Now, as much as Leo Messi has done, Leo Messi's a different character. He's a quiet, unassuming guy. He's, a, he's an introverted guy. Uh, he doesn't put himself out there like Ronaldo does and certainly like Maradona does. Maradona was blowing kisses at people in the stands yesterday, uh, and he was there with sunglasses on, and everyone wants to see Diego Maradona. So the comparisons are always made to Maradona. Now, Leo Messi also moved away when he was 13 years of age to Barcelona to pursue a career with the Blagrana, and he, he, he's been there ever since. So there's an awful lot of Argentines out there that don't have that affection for Leo Messi that they have for, for Maradona, who shows his love for Argentina in every opportunity he has. So it's, it's a strange one. Messi has been so incredibly successful, so incredibly influential on the game, Yet he doesn't say anything. He doesn't do interviews. Um, he just wants to spend time with his family, and he's been with the same girl since he was about 15 years of age. Uh, it, it's just a different personality trait. And I think that has a huge impact on the way we view Leo Messi, and certainly the way Argentines put pressure on him to say, until you win a World Cup, you will not be as good as Maradona. Now, saying that there's people listening in their cars that are Argentinian, I'm sure, that are saying, no, Messi for me is number one. There is that split in the camp. Um, but Messi has the pressure of a nation, has the pressure of the world, um, because Ronaldo's already won the Euros now as well. Uh, and if Ronaldo, you know, he's won the Champions League this year, so Cristiano could now eclipse Messi in the Ballon d'Or stakes next year and win another Ballon d'Or, which would make it six for him and five for Messi. Maradona's won a World Cup, Messi hasn't. There's pressure mounting from every angle on this guy, and I think that was very obvious for everyone to see yesterday. Uh, Germany against Mexico kicks off here in about 15 minutes from now. What are some keys so, for Mexico to get out of this game with at least a draw? Yeah, they've got to be uh, they've got to be so smart in this game. Um, I actually haven't seen the lineup yet uh, for Mexico, but from what I believe, they were going to roll out a very attacking team under Juan Carlos Osorio. The, the coach, he, he he he's got guts to be able to do that against the World Cup champions to go at the World Cup champions, but. 
he's you know he's not a popular guy in Mexico. He's Colombian. They want a Mexican coach. Uh, he's not popular because of the way they conceded seven goals against Chile in the Copa America, and he's not popular because he rotates so much. But the players absolutely love him. Now, my fear for them today is that they get rolled over by a German side, and then they've got Sweden and South Korea to go, and they've got to try and come up with two wins to qualify. Um, it's a really tough opener for Mexico, but they've got, to, they've got to remain defensively solid. And if he rolls out such an attacking team and you go toe-for-toe and toe nearly like an ice hockey game against the German side, you're going to get beaten. Uh, one last question for Kevin Egan here. As an Egyptian, please give me some hope that they get out of the group. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, too. I mean, this is always going to be the most difficult game, I think, Uruguay, because they're very similar to Atletico Madrid, the way they play. They, they, they're they comfortable within their skin to win games 1-0. And I know they only won in the 89th minute, but uh, this is a defensively solid team with attacking prowess like Suarez and Cavani. So that was the toughest game for them. But now Egypt need to try and get Salah on the field, and they need to try and somehow take three points from the host nation that has all momentum behind them after they hammered Saudi Arabia 5-0. So it's an incredibly tall task for Egypt. But I think Egypt has the talent. I think Egypt can, can beat Russia. Uh, you get Salah on the field now. I think they did the right thing by resting Mo Salah because if you think Sergio Ramos is tough, he's an absolute pussycat compared to Diego Godin and Jimenez for Uruguay. And I felt he would have gotten injured and they would have done something to him. So Hector Cooper probably made the right decision in resting him bring him in for the next two games, and hopefully, I'm cheering for the Pharaohs as well, hopefully Egypt can pick up two wins. Kevin, we appreciate it as always. As we let you go, I posted something yesterday. You know me. I always like to be a stickler. I said, am I wrong? Messi didn't miss the PK. It was saved. The miss is hitting the poster, putting one over the net. Now, I understand technically there's misses and makes, but when I keep hearing people say, well, Messi missed it, you look at it and, you know, give the Iceland keeper some credit. Yeah, I, I do give him some credit, but at the end of the day, you're 12 yards dead. You're the best player on the planet. Well, in my mind, he is. And Messi is not, he's not that good at penalties. For some reason, he's missed four of the last seven for club and country. A penalty is the same percentage, roughly, as a free throw. And that's a good comparison to make, because you should hit your free throws. And a penalty, you know, you hit it with enough power in the corner, you're given no keeper on the planet a chance to save it. So Messi should score. You could see the pressure. He, he was very obvious in what he tried to do. He tried to give the keeper the eyes to go one way and then passed it in the other way, and the keeper read it. Um, it was disappointing. I, I think it's a good save. Credit the goalkeeper. But you're sounding a bit like my colleague Gary Bailey, former Man United goalkeeper, who says, oh, no, it was a save, not a miss. I think from 12 yards out, you can also consider that a miss. Yeah, well, I, I know that uh, there was actually one thing, I think it was in David Beckham's book with, by Grant Wall, it might have been, or somewhere else, but Beckham said that uh, PKs are never stopped. They're always missed because you should never miss from 12 yards, like you said. So, you know, well, I'll continue. I just like to be in a stickler and getting people riled up. You know that. Uh, Kevin Egan from BN Sports, we appreciate you jumping out for a few minutes. Go enjoy this one, okay? Of course. And Meg is here. She says, she says much love to you, Fred. Sounds great. Thanks. You, same to her. We'll see you later. All right. Take care. All the Ke- Kevin Egan uh, from BN Sports down in Miami, and those guys are working. They have a show every night, uh, 6 o'clock, called The Extra Russia, where they recap all the games and everything else. And they've got uh, Gary Bailey and Ray Hudson. If, you, if you're if you a soccer fan and you don't know Ray Hudson or you don't watch him, 
you you want to have fun with soccer? Watch Ray Hudson because he's he throws some stuff out there that I've I I just sit and laugh at. I have to rewind <laughs> it because it's so funny. Uh, Black Abdallah Hubner, we got Jesse coming up talking some Cubs baseball uh, at the top of the hour. Three one two three three two three seven seven six is the number right here on ESPN one thousand. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner. And if you guys listen to the shows during the week, and I'm sure you do, Black works with the first two shows, the Cap and Company show, and also with Carmen and Yurko, and Abdallah works with Waddle and Sylvie. So this is probably more up uh, Abdallah's uh, alley. Um, a Farmingdale, New York professional gambler. Hello. Stu Finer bet $5,000 on the White Sox to beat the Indians Thursday, one of the first legal bets in New Jersey uh, after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the uh, law limiting sports gambling. The Sox lost 5-2, to two, meaning the Finer was out that amount. But some of the White Sox players found it amusing. Says it, <laughs> Lucas Giolito says, It shows we have a fan out there in New Jersey who has some faith in us. When someone on the front or on the first day... You're legally allowed to go drop that kind of money on a team. I appreciate that support for sure. He also lost uh, five thousand the week before when, it, or the the first week it was legal. The very first day it was legal, he went and bought, bet five grand on something else and lost. So, so, so this Stu, what's his name? Finer. Stu Finer. Finer. This, this is a guy who this this is his bet. This is his deal. He, yeah. he goes yeah. and finds the states that are now becoming legal to gamble. And he places he the wears, first like, bet. You got to look, the, dude. This guy, he you got to look at. He wears like these shirts that say like i'm out to kill your bookie and like all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. like it's oh, cool. yeah he's that's uh, pretty yeah. cool well, yeah, yeah, i told you he'd, he, yeah. i told you he'd know what we were talking about. I know, he have, like I uh, about. what's his hairstyle uh bald does he have a mustache no <laughs> all right well jesse's bald and he doesn't have a mustache hey there buddy he'll <laughs> get one though. he'll join us he'd be good with a mustache uh jesse will <laughs> join us right after this at espn 1000 this is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cubs win. Cubs win. Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. It's a triple play for the Sox. Base is loaded. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner here on ESPN 1000. The uh, Cubs and Cardinals wrap up their series later on this evening in St. Louis. Game you can see on ESPN. We hope to have one of the uh, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball crew with us in the 11 o'clock hour. But until then, we'll settle for Jesse Rogers. Yeah, Jesse will do. Yeah. Jesse will do. Jess, how are you? I like to think I'm part of the Sunday Night Baseball crew. I'm just not in the booth with them. Sometimes. You know what I mean? You had mentioned something yesterday with Merv. You said ESPN2 shows the batting practice before the game? Well, they were supposed to. Now, batting practice has been canceled, but that was the plan from 5 oh, okay. to 6 on ESPN2. They're going to be live, and that's, you know, that's during the Cubs batting practice time. The visitors take batting practice second. So, but of course, the Cubs, as Joe Madden likes to cancel batting practice, uh, players don't even have to arrive till after like four thirty for a seven o'clock game. 
So I don't know what ESPN2 is going to do. So badminton, I'm not sure. So we'll <laughs> see. There's a chance I'll be on that uh, on that broadcast if we actually have a, a show. They may, they may cancel it, so I don't know what's going on. But once in a while when you hear something from A-Rod or Jessica, it, 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 it's something that I may have given them a little nugget about the team, so keep that in mind when you watch the game. Humble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, we do talk. We have these meetings, and obviously I cover the team every day, so once in a while I'll give them a little something to use. <laughs> You should make them have to credit you on the broadcast. No, no, no. It's not like that. We're all uh, one no. big happy family. You know what I want? I want you. Do you remember the old pop-up video on VH1? <laughs> yeah, I want Jesse your face. To yeah, just I pop want your up. face to pop up with like a little stat that you've given them during the broadcast. Well, th- then I should do the same because I mean, I, I was talking uh, hitting with A Rod last time. I probably should credit him every time I mention something about hitting. Right? You hear that name drop, guys? Did you yeah. hear that? Uh, when it hit Jesse, the ground, yeah. Jeez. Steve Kerr last time, A Rod now. Yeah, we get it. talking hitting with A Rod. <laughs> He's like Jesse. Who? What do you do? <laughs> well, I'm you know, it's funny because we we had Vascursion on about a month ago, and I had mentioned to him. I said, "Listen, when you got a guy hitting clo- uh, someone hitting close to two hundred, is it the Mario Mendoza line or is it now the Jessica Mendoza line?" <laughs> so I listened to the whole game that night, thinking maybe he would throw that out there because there were a couple of guys hitting like one ninety five, one ninety eight, two hundred one. He didn't use it. I figured he did. That would have been good. Yeah. yeah well, I listen so. tonight. You never know. Yeah. You never maybe know. he'll still use it. You never know. But, you know, the nice thing for the Cubs yesterday, after two straight shutout losses in Milwaukee, they're scoring runs. I mean, they get, what is it? They get 19 runs, five homers, and 24 hits in the last two days. And Joe was ecstatic that the, the, they got runs yesterday, and it wasn't just the home runs. Yeah, I mean, these first two games are really what you want to see come October, scoring in different ways. Now, you're probably not going to score 19 runs in two games, but, you know, the long ball has helped. And then I don't want to just say small ball because that infers bunts and stuff, but they did have some uh, implies bunts, but they did have a couple bunts. Wilson Contreras had a good bunt. But it's just singles and doubles, I mean, just scoring in different ways. Walking, you know, the things we, we've seen in them when they're at their best, we saw it in the first two games. And the best thing about it is, it came against really good starting pitching. I mean, Michael Walker's having a great year. Carlos Martinez is really good. Um, getting to the Cardinals' bullpen, though, is no big accomplishment. I mean, if there's a huge difference between the Cubs and the Cardinals, once again, St. Louis, just has, they just can't fix their bullpen problems. This has been going on for years, and the Cubs have a lights-out bullpen, and really do. I know Moore got into a little trouble there, but he hadn't pitched in about a week. But he got out of it. He got out of it because he knows how to pitch. He's quietly had a really good season. So I, I think the best thing about this this series so far, winning the series, is, is beating up on the on the Cardinals starting pitching, which ranks second, I believe, in ERA coming in. Jesse, uh, yesterday, Cal Hendricks, after giving up two runs in the first inning, sold in, and he had a nice outing. What did you see from Hendricks yesterday? Yeah, it's a pattern. He struggles a little bit, gives up a long ball, then he settles in. He's averaging like one home run per start, but not much more. Um, he's still not completely there. He was a, about four starts ago. I thought getting locked in, and then he kind of uh, moved backwards, and that's what he said uh, after the game. Is just the feel isn't quite there. But I did ask him about recovering from those early home runs. Think about a rookie or a first full year player, you know, Hendricks two three years ago. I don't think he could recover and have a good start. It's almost like what John Lackey learned to do: give up the long ball but stay in the game. So at least Kyle has learned how to do that, where a start doesn't have to go completely south even if he gives up a home run. So let's say he gives up 32 home runs this year. It's kind of what he's on pace for. Uh, he could still have a decent ERA, and that's, that's hard to do. So I give him some credit, but really want to see that, that eight-inning shutout out of him, you know, that, that seven-inning, 
you know, 80 pitches and, you know, maybe gets pinch hit for at that point, whatever the case may be, he hasn't shown um, that 2016 Hendricks much at all this year because of the long ball. But you got to give him credit. He's keeping his team in the game, and that's mostly what you can ask out of a guy. I don't remember. What, what is his ERA was like three and a half going in. That's, that's about how he's pitched. He's pitched like a three and a half ERA pitcher, but I think we all agree he's closer to maybe a, you know, a three pitcher or a 290. So there's more there for him, but he's not pitching poorly. But that's kind of how the temperament of Kyle Hendricks is and kind of like how he is throughout a game. Like he doesn't let anything affect him. He doesn't really show any emotion. Isn't that just kind of who he is? Like if he gives up a home run, he doesn't really seem to care. If he has a great outing, he really doesn't seem to care. Like he's just kind of this monotone guy that just doesn't really let anything affect him like that. Yeah, yeah, he's always been like that. That's true. I think, um, though, when you don't have it and you give up an early home run, it can really snowball on a young pitcher. So I think being in the league a few years has helped him. But I don't disagree. His demeanor absolutely has helped him from day one to achieve what he's achieved. So I I sort of put him in in, a little bit of the Lester category. Now, I don't really worry too much about Hendricks. Um, Yeah, he may not be perfect because he doesn't have 98 to rely on. But even when he's not, you see what he comes up with, solid efforts. You know, he's kind of like this season he's a, he's a quality start kind of pitcher, where in 16 he was a Cy Young type pitcher. But he's giving you six and three or less. You'll take that right now, but you'd like a little bit better. You know, Hayward with the two-run homer yesterday, kind of icing on the cake. They had the 4-3 lead. But Addison Russell, two games in a row with hits. He had three hits yesterday, a pair of doubles, that leadoff homer in the fourth. If he starts hitting, this team will be really in good shape because he struggled with the bat all season long. Yeah, his average is up over 280 now. I talked to him a couple days ago about power, and he thinks that will come, but doesn't want to force it. But it's a quiet 285 or whatever it is right now. It really is. So, yeah, Fred, you know that's what's dangerous about this team. They have 10 hitters for eight spots that Madden will rotate, and now you're seeing guys that were a little quiet you know, heat up. And that, that, rota- that, that rotation of hot and cold, that'll, that'll keep going, but... You just need three or four guys to be hot, and then a couple other guys will slump, then a different three or four. That's the beauty of the Cubs. They don't need just their top five guys. You know what I mean? When they're going, they can have up to eight that can help you. And you're seeing Hayward and Russell. And, you know, the one guy that I'm looking for is Contreras. He has not really shown the power. I think Joe's going to continue to rest him maybe even a little bit more, get him off his feet, get that back going. He was so good in the second half last year, so I don't think he's a guy that necessarily will tire. I just don't think he's gotten hot yet. Has Jason Hayward found his uh, spot at the plate? Has he found his groove? Well, it's there. It's there. What the ceiling is, I don't know. But there is a change. You can tell. He talks about it. You can see it. It's a hand thing going on, a quick it, it's closer to Schwarber now than, than ever. If, uh, you know, Schwarber, I think, is one of the best with the wrists. You know, just a quick flick of the wrist and the ball goes out. Um, it's still kind of a long swing, but he's using his wrist more. He, he said that after the game yesterday. He said it after the Grand Slam. And the difference is he's not thinking about it as much. It's just reacting. And I think it took you know, over two years to, to, to get him to change, to forget about that long swing and not think and just use, use his hands. You guys know there's no way he turns on 99 three months ago, a year ago, two years ago. There's no way he turns on that lefty for the Grand Slam. No way he gets a hit off of Josh Hader. All these things he's doing now are a product of all the work he's put in. You've got to give him credit for that. And now it's become second nature. So, again, I do think there are moments where we'll slip back. You know, he popped up a couple times with guys on base yesterday uh, before the home run. So it's, it's not all going to be perfect. 
but you can see what he can do. Here, here's, here's, here's the point, though. In 16, I remember writing in the playoffs, you just cannot start him. It was just incapable of, of really contributing. Now, yeah, a couple pop-ups, but then boom. That's, he's almost like any other player now where oh, it might be a bad day, but then he can help you. He could not, he was physically unable to do that the last couple years. But now it's not, you know, you can start him and feel like, okay, there's a shot he's going to help us. And lately it's been, you know, more than helping, he's been winning games. What's Chili Davis doing differently with these players uh, in his first year as hitting coach? Well, I think it's stressing the message a little bit more um, about using the opposite field, not swinging outside the zone. I mean, I don't think it's a different message than John Maley gave, but maybe it's being delivered a little bit different. And the one thing that's different between John Maley and Chili Davis is one played 19 years in the league. And that's nothing against Maley. There's nothing you can do about that. But when the message comes from someone like that who was able to do these things, go the opposite way and do well in situations, maybe the message comes across a little bit clearer. So I wrote a piece today, you know, they're chasing 1% less than last year. But think about it, 1% less could mean, you know, a couple balls a week that, that fall in or, or you make contact on that you weren't last year or you take and you turn, you turn that into a walk. Um, and it's making a difference. Slowly but surely, it's making a difference. Their, their batting average is up, but their home runs are down, and that makes sense. Their strikeouts are down as well. They're not swinging for the fences as much. Um, I do think, and they think, the home runs will come back. We saw it these first two games. But I think it's just a message. You know, more contact, guys. That's how we're going to win in October. There was a stat that uh, Abdallah used earlier today that I think it was from uh, Buster Olney about feast mm-hmm. or famine for the Cubs, that during their wins they're averaging like seven runs a game, and during their losses they're like at 1.5 or something like that. Is that just the same with most teams, or does it stick out more that when the, that it, the Cubs have so many, you know, 12-run, 10-run, 13-run games as opposed to some other teams in the, in the game? Yeah, no, I think the thing that sticks out is the 10-run games. I think that, and that's a good thing. You like 10-run games, saves your bullpen, gives you a breather, you know, you're not, you're not biting your nails at the end. I think to say they don't score a lot in losses is kind of like saying when they don't score as much as the opponent, they lose. They lose. Yeah. It's, I mean, now, you know, I mean, I guess people might feel better if they scored 2.5 in losses, but what do you expect in losses? So I guess my point is as long as you're scoring enough to win enough games, that's really all that matters. Everyone's going to lose 62 games a year. What you score in those 62, who cares? Honestly, if you got shut out 62 times but won 100 games, would you care? Uh, probably not. Um, now, how, what that means for the postseason, I don't know. That's an extreme example. But I think the idea is to be as balanced as you can going into the postseason. But what you score in losses, it doesn't feel like it's that important or that telling. Um, uh, and I wrote it today about the power drop. I think that's the only thing they're sort of missing right now, which is ironic because, again, they were such a home run hitting team over these last few years. But if that moves up the, the rankings a little bit, they're going to really have a dynamic offense. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's more important, you know, what they do overall. Well, just, you can't you can't look at back to back shutouts and worry. You can't look at two games where they score 19 and say. They're the best offense in the league. You look at the, the, the season in total, and that's what averages are for and everything else, and, and you look at it, and I think they're a very good offense. I think I undersold it just a little bit. Here, here it is. Someone else retweeted it. Um, a guy with Mexican flags um, retweeted it. That's um, Abdallah's name. It's that, Egyptian flags. Those are Egyptian flags. Those are Egyptian flags. Those are Egyptian emoji flags. Yeah, those are Egyptian flags. They look like Mexican. They play me. on Tuesday. I'm just seeing Mexican guys <laughs> run all over Germany here in the first half of the game. A lot of pressure. Um, yeah, um, so here's 
here's here's what it is, Jess. Uh, in the forty wins, seven point one runs, average of three oh three and an eight eighty six OPS. The losses one point nine runs per game, a one ninety four average and five seventy one for the OPS. So they are yeah, pretty drastic numbers. Yeah, yeah, they're drastic, but again, what do you expect in wins and losses? They should yeah. be a little bit different. Now maybe they're more different than than normal. I don't know. I don't I don't think that's important. Um, you know, I, I wrote this piece today and I don't write a lot of well, I don't know what the word is, like wonky, you know, numbers pieces. I'm there to talk to players. Other people can, you know, be back in Bristol and write pieces, which we got. <laughs> you don't, we have you don't like to add that. stats and information into your uh, piece? Come on, Jesse. Hey, Jesse no, is I mean, a storyteller, okay? I don't, yeah, exactly. I'm a storyteller. <laughs> I, don't, I don't use numbers. I was in a cab with Jake Arrieta. We have people, David David Schoenfeld, Sam Miller, and Bristol that write a lot of the numbers stuff. But I, I thought it was so telling you know what I said to you yesterday, Fred, that, that uh, for the last 13 years, the team that's led the league in on-base percentage yeah. has made the playoffs. 13 straight years. The Cubs lead the league in on-base percentage by 12 points. 12. So if you're worried about their offense, man, just look at that number alone. It really, it's amazing that the game has changed all these things, but Moneyball still is true. On-base percentage, to me, has always been the most important statistic. It really correlates to run scoring, but in, 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 if you look at the standings, it correlates to playoffs, which is crazy to me because what does on-base percentage have to do with your pitching staff? Nothing. Right. Yet 13 years in a row, if you're getting on base, um, you're, you're getting the playoffs. Uh, now, maybe it's, a, it's I think it's something to examine. Like, why would that be? Uh, can it really affect the other parts of your game? Or if you're getting on base, does that just illustrate that you have a great team and you must have great pitching? I, I don't. I don't quite get why that's a, a correlation to defense and pitching and everything else. But but obviously, it's so important for the offense that it, it propels you to the playoffs 13 years in a row or whatever the case may be. So the Cubs are really good at getting on. They don't always score their guys from second and third, but that's also because they get so many chances. Um, and, and again, are they scoring enough to produce a good record? And the answer is yes. And Jesse, to go with uh, the numbers theme here, uh, number one on base percentage, but they're 22nd overall in baseball in home runs. Is that a surprising stat to you? I mean, yeah, a little bit. But uh, but as I, we were just saying, um, I think that the emphasis was to strike out less and make more contact. And it's it's they've gone a little bit too far in the other direction. I was talking to Jed Hoyer about this yesterday. It's something they're watching. They don't think two months is enough of a sample size to say they've lost their power. Look at these last two nights. We know it's there. You know Schwarber can do it. You know Rizzo. You know Bryant. You know even Russell. Uh, they've all done in the past, but maybe this emphasis, and even Chile admitted it. Chile said, you know, uh, you, if you strike out less, there's a good chance you might hit less homers. The goal is to strike out less and hit a lot of homers. That's not easy. That is not easy. It was interesting how Chile acknowledged that the Red Sox had a power drop with him last year and now have found their groove. So I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing for Chile or the team or fans to understand or admit, yeah, okay, with Chile here, they're hitting less for power, but they're doing some other things better. Now let's see as we move closer to September and October if they can find a balance. Because I did write in the piece today, once in a while you win a game with a home run. There's like nothing wrong with home runs, but you just don't want to be swinging for them when the situation calls for something else. So that's the balance they're trying to find. They have three and a half months to do it. So, Jesse, I wanted to bring this up with you on the phone, and we haven't talked to Fred about this yet, but did you see the article in the Wall Street Journal from the 15th, uh, so two days ago, about how baseball attendance has dropped again this season? 
And I wanted to bring I it up. That. I, I wanted to bring it up to you as well to get your perspective because you're at all of these ballparks. So the article says that uh, per game, attendance is down six point six percent last year to date, and eight point six overall for baseball attendance overall across Major League Baseball. Now Manfred is quoted in the piece to saying, "Well, we've had bad weather." But, like, at a certain point, don't you have to stop blaming the weather to your attendance issues? Like, what do you, when you're at these games, what pops into your mind to why the seats are not filled like they used to be? I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, you know, I've asked around in some of these parks. Like, I was amazed on Memorial Day. Memorial Day, decent weather in Pittsburgh was empty. I asked some people in Pittsburgh, you know, and this is not scientific, and they're like, it's McCutcheon. They traded McCutcheon. I'm like, come on. Everyone stopped being a pirate fan because they traded McCutcheon. That was one reason someone gave me. Another reason they, uh, you know, oh, they they have no chance. The Cubs and, and Brewers are better. Still, on Memorial Day, the Pirates were doing well. There's nothing like a nice underdog story, and they were doing okay. Didn't get that. Cincinnati's just been bad team. More Cub fans than Red fans. I'll tell you what was telling. In Milwaukee, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. June, school is out, not sold out. I was surprised. I tweeted out, or I said it on the radio. Hey, Cubs fans, for the you know after the Monday game, I'm like, come on up here. There's seats available. I thought for sure, first versus second place. This is Cubs fans and Brewers fans was not sold out. Now it was a good crowd, but it's still. I mean, you want sellouts on those days. If you're going to prop up your attendance, you better get sellouts in June, first place versus second place. They didn't get that. So just imagine what Cincinnati and San Diego is going to draw. So I can't tell you why in some of these cities that traditionally are pretty good baseball cities, I, I just can't. I can't be one player like McCutcheon. I, I just don't believe that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is what everyone feared, including Manfred. The younger generation is, is turning away from baseball. This is what he did predict a couple years ago. I give him credit. He said we have to be proactive because the numbers are not in our favor. They're trending the wrong way. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Good crowds here in St. Louis, um, really good. But again, we're looking at some of the you know best rivalry and you know rivalries in baseball, first place versus third. But I think you have to worry about all those other matchups. But still, um, like I said, Milwaukee not sold out, and that was surprising. And just so you know, Jess, I know you dropped his name like four times right before you when you were answering uh, a Dallas question, I think. But uh, all right, Chris's other question. His name is Charles Theodore Davis. Chili, Ooh, it, 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 chili. Oh, chili. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. yeah. I didn't know what his. I I didn't remember what his first name was either. I just well, I go by. Well, chili I knew also. Charles. I didn't know Theodore. I'm like, uh, okay. who's that? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But chili's such a great name. And when the audience goes cold, it's such a good word to use. And you know, in your in your in my stories, you know what yes. I mean. Yeah. Chili cooled yes. off the offense, and it just it's it, it's been a tra- it's been a transformation with him. It really has been, as they sort of predict or were hoping for. But you kind of want to. You want to have everything. You want to have the power and the small ball, and that's kind of what Joe said after the game yesterday. So we'll see if Chile can get them where they need to be come October. So, okay, as we let you go, what are you going to do the yeah. rest of the day? Pretty much nothing. Um, I, Great. I think, All right. Enjoy, I, Jesse. Yeah, I, I walked. I jogged a little bit, half walked, oh, half jogged to, to the yard yesterday. It's hot Right. I, just, I, I wanted to break a sweat. I wanted to be outside. So I did that yesterday. Kind of had a couple late ones last night, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't know what you mean. A little bit in recovery mode. I mean, I was celebrating Father's Day. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> since I can't celebrate with my kids, I'm going to celebrate with a All beer. Right. Enjoy. Um, and uh, so, yeah, pretty much nothing. Okay. I'm going to just hang out and you know get some lunch. Obviously, I'll do that. 
Yeah. Well, okay, enjoy. I just want to double check in case you had something special to do. You know. Sorry. You, some cities they would, but it's St. Louis. Sorry. Okay. Good, minute, goodbye, Jesse. Uh, goodbye. Minute, hey, guys. Good. Good. See you, Jess. Goodbye. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> goodbye. See you, Jess. Jesse Rogers in St. Louis. I wanted to get back to, to, to the article because yeah. the one thing I think, and I know that a week ago we talked a little bit about Rob Manfred saying that with the shifting, because he talked about, you know, need to put the ball in play. There'll be more action. It's the homer, the walks, the strikeouts, and stuff like that. He's surprised that baseball players didn't adjust to the shifting by learning how to hit the other way. And um, it may be a little surprising, but they're not. They're not, they're not trying to do it. There's like five, two guys on each team. Hayward and Rizzo try to hit the other way. Schwarber, too, tries to go the other way. But other than that, not many of the guys do. So I'm not just trying to be an alarmist on this and seeing one headline and try and blow it up into something bigger. But this is why it caught my eye. Attendance is down per game, 6.6% from last year, 86 overall. The sport has not seen an attendance drop of more than 6.7% in a single season since 1995. Jeez. And what happened the strike? year before 95? Was it the strike? Strike. Uh. So, so people are not going to baseball games in the same effect that they didn't go after the strike year. And baseball has been fine for many years, and people have enjoyed it. There's no labor issues. There's nothing off the field going on. And for some reason now, people are not attending games. I have the quotes from Manfred. And the other interesting stat to go along with this is if you want to look at weather, even in cities where weather is not a factor, still Toronto, down. Safeco, uh, Oakland, uh, Tampa, down, down. Yeah, there's down, nobody down, going down. to Toronto. It's, I don't know it's, why. It's but, down all over yeah. the place. So it's it's not just a weather thing, Mister Manfred. It's not just the weather, no. Mister Manfred. Well, I mean, what's his deal? Weather is the, you're going to blame weather. Be, Good, maybe like, you, how, you can join the bandwagon. No, I'm with, with me, you, Fred. Let's, he, let's let's go after this just, guy because what, what is his deal? First of well, all, you know we don't have the technology to call balls and strikes. Social okay, media is the easiest TV, way to promote your brand. Yet baseball rips all their highlights off social media because they want. Their rights, their right fees. Well, yeah. guess what? Young people are not interested in your sport because we don't know what's going on. Well, just so you know, really quickly as we take a break, Slam. before we get to my baseball notebook, this yeah. guy, yesterday, I don't know if you guys Manfred. knew this. I, I'm sure you weren't watching. North Carolina over Oregon State in the College World Series, 8-6. Oh. to six. The only reason I mention it, the longest nine-inning game in College World Series history, four hours and 24 minutes oh. for a nine-inning game. So, just so you know, um, we're not trending the right way no. with college baseball, okay? Four hours and 24 minutes for a nine-inning game. We'll get you more baseball. Our baseball notebook coming up next. It's Black Abdallah Hubner on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, me, I'm Fred Hubner, and we do this every Sunday. Next week, I'm not going to be here, so I don't know. If they want to do it, they can. If they don't want to do it, they don't have to. I can do it in my car somewhere up in... Wisconsin or wherever I'm going to Fred, be. it's a show bit that we will do. Okay. 10.30. Oh, yeah. Every have Sunday morning. Don't worry. You're going to have notes. You're going to have Eric Benchmarked. Yeah. Um, quick look at the standings as we start this Sunday, this uh, Father's Day. Uh, in the AL, in the East, 
The uh, Yankees are one game lead over the Red Sox in the Central. Cleveland up by two and a half on Detroit, which is surprising to me. Minnesota four back. And in the West, speaking of surprising, Seattle Mariners are just a half game back of Houston. In the uh, National League, Atlanta, a two and a half game lead over Washington in the East with Philadelphia four back. The Cubs are still a half game back in Milwaukee with St. Louis now five back after the Cubs have won two in a row. Milwaukee losers yesterday. The uh, National League West is really interesting to me. Arizona has a one and a half game lead over the Dodgers, uh, who are still struggling with injuries to Kershaw. Colorado five back, San Francisco five and a half, and even San Diego's only six and a half back. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, the Houston Astros, I mentioned that they have a uh, half game lead over Seattle. And Seattle's been playing real well. The Astros have won 10 in a row. Astros are 7-0 on this road trip. They have won 8 in a row as they sweep the A's. All the way back, El Monte looking up. Grand slam, Evan Gaddis. See you later. Into the Royals' bullpen. A three-run home run for Max Stassi. And you can kiss that one goodbye. A three-run home run. Alex Bregman. The Astros have won 10 in a row and are 9-0 on this road trip. That'd be considered a pretty good road trip for the Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, they have that half-game lead over Seattle right now. And Seattle, a one nothing win over Boston yesterday. Wade LeBlanc. I'm sure everybody has them him in their uh, fantasy and rotisserie baseball. Oh, yeah. He's a soft tosser, if you know what I mean. What? Yeah. Uh, seven oh, no, Fred! No. Mexico the Mexican team has built a 1-0 lead. They have dominated Whoa. the entire first half against Germany and have taken a 1-0 lead. All right, well, uh, Black and Abdallah is going to have to carry the notebook Whoa, as Fred. I got it. Wow. Look at this. That's why you play three games in the opening round. One-on-one, open pitch, yeah, whatever, nice pass. Whatever makes you feel better, Fred. Exactly. A little move in the box of the goal. Wow, Fred. Come on, Manuel Neuer. A good keeper would have stopped that. Um... Wade LeBlanc yesterday, seven and two-thirds, two hits, a walk. I'm sorry, no walks, nine strikeouts. Mookie Betts got a leadoff single, and then Wade LeBlanc retired 22 straight. And Seattle, a one nothing win. They're just a half game back of Houston. Did you say he's a soft tosser? Is that yeah. how this all started? Yeah. All right. He's okay. a soft tosser. Just making sure I heard that. Uh, right. The New York Yankees <laughs> were uh, winners again. That one's drilled deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. Home run, Stanton. 3-0 Yanks. Uh, you talk about the strength. Too many guys can hit him out one-handed. High fly ball. Center field. Smith back on the track. At the wall. See ya. Back to back. Stanton. Sanchez. 4-0 Yanks. Oh, that's pretty good. The Yankees really only win when they hit home runs. I know we talked about that a while back about the the Cubs, but the Yankees is definitely, if they don't get home runs from Stanton and Judge and Sanchez, they usually don't win games. Yankees a 4-1 winner. Luis Severino, though, yesterday, this is a pretty amazing stat. Severino had six, had nine strikeouts yesterday. Six of those strikeouts on pitches 99-plus miles per hour. 100.2, 99.5, 99.4, 99.3, 99.3, 99.2. Luis Severino pitching really well for the New York Yankees, and they hold a game lead over Boston. Did you see uh, his catch of the pop-up? No. The play at the plate? No, I did not. Popped up catcher, should have called off. 
He came over the back and swiped it. Did he really? Now, listen, I, I think for most baseball people, it's a bad play, right? Just let the catcher catch it because otherwise you're going to fumble it. And But he came in and at the last second, over the catcher, grabbed it and snagged it. I love when pitchers catch pop-ups in the mound, but not so much. No, no, it was so like a foot away from home plate. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that. Uh, Dodgers have won five in a row right now. L.A., as I mentioned, a game and a half back of Arizona in the West. Remember Jorge Soler? He went to the Kansas City Royals for Wade Davis, right? Uh, Soler, not having a bad year, broken bone in his left toe. So he's going to be out for six weeks. That's not good. Which toe? uh, Probably his big one. Okay. Because if you, if you, the other ones you can probably get by with. Captain? Yeah. The other ones you can probably get by. Um, We talk about war quite a bit. Yes. You know, what is it good for? Um, A lot of things in baseball. Absolutely nothing. Okay. Jose Ramirez has a war of 4.5. That's pretty good. Jose Ramirez, the infielder for the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. Mike Trout's war is 6.1. 6.1. Trout also, I have another stat here on, on Mike Trout. I got to make sure I find it because it's really a good one. Um, Mike Trout, here we go. Where is it? I got so many stats here. Mike Trout's, he's got an on base of like 450, maybe higher. It's got to be higher than that. Um, but it's amazing what this guy does. And you know what? You and I talked about this, Chris, and I think, Adam, you were probably here too. Maybe. Um, we never see Mike Trout. No, no, we don't. West Coast. Yeah. Just like we never saw. We're Who was sleeping. that guy that used to pitch for him? We're Shohei Otani? Yeah, yeah Otani. I mean, yeah. you know, Fred, this week specifically, I mean, Mike Trout was outstanding in the series against the Mariners. How many times did you see a highlight of Trout lead sports center? Yeah. You know, I mean, he was he was awesome. Sure. And, and if you have a player in their given sport do what he did in the last week, it would be in the A block of all sports shows, whether it's Fox Sports, ESPN, wherever you're at. And Mike Trout is just kind of going through the motions out there in uh, Southern California where the rest of us kind of only see him if you're watching a right. baseball-specific show. Yeah. And well, you know, what? you wouldn't see him in the, in the main block if... If Phil Mickelson decided to hit the ball again, <laughs> uh, you, we, you heard in the Sports Center update, and I know you were listening, uh, that Cleveland has placed one of their pitchers on the disabled list, and here's why. Oh, and nailed Carrasco, and he's hurt. Oh, no. Not again. Not sure where it got him. We'll wait, but he is in considerable pain right away. Right on the elbow, it looks like. Players are backing away. That's never a good sign. That was flush, and he, there's no way or chance he had to, to get out of the way. Players were backing away. What is it? I mean, did, was it dangling off or something? Maybe. I mean, <laughs> we so, have a dangler. Yeah. So Carrasco, they say uh, an elbow injury. He is going on the DL. They don't know how long that will be for. The Indians can't can't afford that. They, you know, last year they lost a lot of pitching during the course of the season due to injuries. It's actually been a trend over the last two three years. They've done this over and over again. They have a two and a half game lead over Detroit. You wouldn't think they'd have a problem winning the AL Central, but without some pitching, uh, we will keep an eye on that. Uh, Ronald Lacuna, remember him? Red hot at the start of the season when he came up. Oh, yeah. He's still out. He's been out since May 27th. A mild ACL sprain. They're trying to see when they can get him back. And Evan Langoria, in case you missed it earlier this week, uh, the Giants are going to be without him six to eight weeks. He um, got hit by pitch and uh, suffered a um, broken left hand, and that's not a good thing. One thing I was going to get to Jesse, and I forgot to. Uh, this was a stat that uh, Mark Potash in the Sun-Times posted. It says Tommy Lestella is 0 for 10 as pinch hitter after starting 12 for 26. 
And then Mark Potash made sure he said apologies to ESPN Shy Cubs if you already had that. <laughs> Don't worry. He'll just drop another name. Well, he'll throw Chili Davis out there for you. And uh, that's about it. One thing that Jay Hood, huge baseball fan, and Chris and I were nice, were, were fortunate enough to do the uh, Under the Hood show on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Hood tweeted something yesterday, watching the Cubs and the Cardinals. He said, poor fundamentals by the Cards all over this team. It's not the St. Louis Cardinals standards that I used to see back in the day. And he could not be more right. I've not seen Yadier Molina look so bad behind the plate on you know balls in front of the plate, throws to the bases. I don't know. I know he was hurt before. He had a severe injury uh, that we all probably remember. Um, and... They just look bad. They just, they don't look, I don't know, Mike Matheny's got to figure out a way to get these guys, get their head in the game, because they don't look like a team of St. Louis Cardinals players. Yeah, not the usual uh, excellence we expect that's to see expect from the Cardinals. Louis, and that's what the fans, as Jesse was talking about earlier, the fans in St. Louis come out like crazy. Despite all the fun that Chicagoans make about St. Louis people, they come out and support their team. And uh, you'll probably hear tonight, Matt Vasgersian or Jessica, Jessica Mendoza or, or Alex Rodriguez may mention how, you know, Cardinals fans are the best fans in baseball. It gets thrown out there a lot. They oh, yeah. pack it in. And what they're seeing right now is a team that's not, that is letting them down fundamental wise. Um, we'll see how things go. But right now they're five back of the, uh, they're four and a half back of the Cubs, five back of Milwaukee in the National League Central. So we'll see how things go. So, Fred, let's uh, dig our teeth into this article from the Wall Street Journal yeah. and, uh, See if you want to jump in at 312-332-3776. Why is attendance down in baseball? The Wall Street Journal reports on Friday, Major League Baseball sees a sharp drop in attendance. League-wide attendance entering Friday of 27,328 per game is down 6.6% from date last year, 86 overall. It's the biggest swing of attendance dropping since 1995, the year after the strike, when it dropped 6.7%. So yearly, like, if you say, ah, you know, weather, this, that, and the other, maybe maybe the 6.6% isn't that big of a deal. But usually in the last two decades, baseball hasn't seen a change of more than 1.9% either hmm. way in their attendance. So this is a pretty dramatic, steep drop in attendance this year. Manfred was quoted at the start of the season saying that weather's a big part of it. Uh, you look at teams across baseball that have domes or play in really nice weather. There's drop in attendance of 29% in Toronto. Uh, there's a 3% drop in uh, Seattle, and the, the Mariners have a first-place team or a team fighting for first place, a fun team to watch. 10% drop in Oakland, 6.7% drop in San Francisco. drop in Tampa Bay where the weather's never a factor. Here's what Manfred also said. We're hoping to rebound in the second half of the season. Uh, Speaking uh, before the Yankees game on Friday, we're having a great season in terms of races and competitive teams. We're hoping the weather like we have in New York on Friday will make up some ground at some point in the season. Now, why does baseball keep pointing to weather as yeah, the issue? That's an awful. Isn't that just having your head yeah. in the sand and not not knowing the the climate of sports culture that we live in now? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, why do they? Why does he keep pointing to weather as the problem for people not coming to the ballpark? Because it's easy. 
It it's is. easy to look at a ballpark when well, it's, it's, when easy it's snowing and, and it's well. 40 degrees and they're like, oh, it's cold. Nobody wants to go. Yeah, but people aren't going in nice weather places. No, I know. Your thoughts, 312-332-3776. There was another reason that some people are saying that uh, white people may not be going to games. We'll get to that. We come back. 312-332-3776. Black Abdallah Hubner, we've got oh, someone from the Sunday Night Baseball crew oh. will join us in the 11 o'clock hour. And then the Summer of Nick. At 11.30, we'll find out what Nick Friedel's doing, and also we'll talk about the draft coming up on Thursday. The NBA draft, you'll hear Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Jay Hood doing the show. I know it, it goes till question mark. Yeah. Till question mark, yes. our uh, draft show and roast. And uh, until uh, we talk roast. to Gar or John Paxson, until someone comes down to talk with us, we will continue to broadcast. That, well, be, however long that takes. That comes up on Thursday. So we'll talk more about baseball and their attendance problems. We come back. 312-332-3776 here on ESPN 1000. See Chicago's Game Day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Huebner. In case you're uh, just jumping on, it's halftime. Mexico won nothing over uh, Germany. You going to be all right? In the World Cup. Yeah, I'll be fine. Germans have lost before. You sure, Fred? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Germany has lost before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, possession so far in the first half, 64% for Germany, but the 36% really? uh, possession for Mexico had the Germans on their heels almost the entire half. Every time I looked yes. up, Mexico had the ball. I don't know how yeah. Germany could have possibly had the ball that long. Well, so. well, part of what I saw watching as we're sitting here is that uh, Mexico is very aggressive. Using uh, hands, using every little uh, trick in the book to mm-hmm. kind of get in the heads of the German squad. They're playing a very physical brand of soccer well, that's right what now. Kevin Egan told us that yeah. they were going to have an attacking uh, lineup yeah. out there. And they did. They had numerous chances. I mean, uh, well, tr- see if we can get the saves yeah. total and the, the shots also for the first half. Yeah, I've got them. Uh, so Mexico, 10 shots, 4 on goal. <laughs> Germany, 8 shots, 5 on goal. But it's one nothing Mexico so far at the half. So that's a, that's a great half of soccer for the Mexican national team. One thing that, uh, you know what, let's jump on. Uh, I don't want to jump on Bob, but we want to bring him on. Hey, Bob, what's going on? Hey, how are you, Fred? Doing well. Hey, Fred, I want to wish your father, he's still with us, a happy father's day. Because as a kid, I went to the Dick Allen show, and that was excellent television. Thank you very much. I'll let my dad know that. I'm going to give him a call later on. He's out on the West Coast. Thanks. Uh, that's wonderful. I just wanted to say, I know you guys are talking about uh, baseball. And I went to the Sox game yesterday. First guy up was Mankata, and I don't think he swung the bat, and he struck out looking. I mean, you got to get to where these guys are swinging the bat. And I think the one way to do that is the computer-generated strike zone. I think another way to do it also is to get the DH in both leagues. I mean, no one wants to watch the pitcher bat. And I'll be honest with you, I don't go to watch the guy manage. You know, I know all the strategy. And this, I mean, I get it. You know, there's a double switch, pinch hit, don't pinch hit. I mean, no one wants to watch a guy hitting 114. You know what I mean? Should we make, you know, should we make everybody have to, you know, have the overweight pitcher pinch run once a game? You know what I mean? That's not strategy. That's just, you know, the guy. these guys can't do it. And you make them do it in key situations. And when it, something good happens, you're like, oh, holy cow. And I do want to say this. Pitchers running the bases isn't a good idea. All you have to do is look back at Kerry Wood and and um, Mark Pryor. I think they both got injured. I think Mark Pryor got injured running the bases. You know, then Steve Trout didn't he pull his hamstring running the bases. There's I mean, a I, lot I just, of guys. And Bob, we appreciate the call. We got to go. We're a little short on time. Um, but 
I, I, a lot of things he said, Chris Kamka, again, mm-hmm. NBC Sports Chicago, he tweeted this wasn't even a stat. He said nothing worse than, quote, bases loaded, yep. and here comes the pitcher. I saw that last night. And, and I, I, I could not agree with him anymore. Yeah, you know, it'll, I, it'll really help baseball when uh, Toronto plays in a league where they have the DH. So the, oh, wait, hold on. Well, see, we'll, see, but here's the problem. The whole conversation is about attendance. Half the league has the DH, right. and, and attendance still is still bad. We right. can so, get into more than like the cost and everything and why people aren't going to games, but ultimately, I think it's people don't want to pay $200 for a family to go watch nine dudes stand around for three and a half hours. Right. Like, no. it's not fun. I'd rather go to, if, like, if I had a family, I'd, I'd just take them to a movie. They'll be entertained for two hours, and that's the end of it. I don't need to sit out in the hot sun and watch baseball. I'm sorry, I don't. Yeah, they they have a lot of games for to to expect that all their games are sold out. I mean, it, it's a rarity. It happens when teams are really good, like the the Cubs. The Yankees don't sell out all the time. Oh, they have a huge stadium. Okay, Yankees don't sell out all the time. The Indians did for years when they were really good. We'll talk more about uh, about that as we go along. We're here till twelve noon. We hope to be talking with someone from the uh, Sunday night baseball crew as the game will be on ESPN tonight. Cubs and Cardinals, we're talking about it here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Jason Hayward unloads on the first pitch, and there it goes. A two-run shot to give the Cubs some breathing room in the eighth. And boy, does he come alive for the Cubs. This is Chicago's game day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Highlights courtesy of Fox, and he Joe Davis was sure right about that. Since coming off the disabled list on May 18th, Jason Hayward, a slash line at 318, 352, 506. As uh, he goes deep, do you know he's hitting 302 away from Wrigley Field? Mm. Maybe when you Darvish comes back, Darvish can pitch road games and Hayward can just play on the road. I mean, hey, the, the Cubs are all 302 about, on the uh, road. Splits in advanced analytics. So why go. not, right? Ivy should kick that out. There you go. Uh, so let me see. Uh, playoff series on the road. Uh, so the first game. You have Hayward batting second right. and Darvish on the mound. Yeah. First game of the playoffs. Why Works not? out perfect. Works out absolutely perfect. <laughs> Cup fans. What? Chris what? B- Darvish started game one? <laughs> Chris Hayward? <laughs> Fred Hubner, And uh, we, are, uh, we are anticipating talking to someone from tonight's uh, Sunday Night Baseball crew. They're, they have production meetings. They don't, they don't just get to the game and sit down and start talking. They have to discuss what they're going to talk about. That's what they're doing right now as they have the Cubs and Cardinals game later on this evening in St. Louis. They wrap up the series. The Cubs trying to score more runs. It's almost impossible to score as many as they scored the last two nights, but they could do it. Uh, they have five homers, 19 runs, thir- or, I'm sorry, 24 hits over the last two games. This after being shut out back-to-back games with Milwaukee. Earlier in the week, the Cubs just a half game back of the Brewers in the standing. So a big one tonight on a Sunday night. So uh, that'll be perfect. After you're done watching the U.S. Open or not, uh, you can <laughs> watch Cub baseball tonight. Yeah, it's. Uh, I can't wait to nap during the, the end of the U.S. Open. <laughs> the end? The whole thing? Well, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I gotta go, oh, I gotta come go, on, guys. I got to go to lunch with my dad and everything. And You, you heard know. how I set this up earlier, Fred. Man versus beast. Can the golfers take down the course? The course mm-hmm. was so difficult yesterday. You had golfers complaining that it was too difficult. Yeah. Can the golfers take down the beast that is Shinnecock Hills? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess they, you know, it, it's funny, but uh, there are guys that are golfing, you know, 
through three rounds, they're over three, only three over. That's not awful. It's not like they're all shooting 76s and 78s. Um, so, you know, it's fair for everybody. Everybody's got to play the same course. It doesn't matter what the course is. Everyone has to play the same thing. So, you know, except true. for Phil, Phil Mickelson. No one plays like Phil. And yeah, I'm, and a lot of I'm people were upset over it. it, too. And I'm damn happy about it. I'm happy the way Phil plays. Guys, this U.S. Open update has been brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. Golf store so big, you may need a caddy. With two locations in Chicago to serve your golf and tennis needs in Downers Grove and Schaumburg, head to PGA Tour Superstore in those two locations. You know, I had the uh, the leaderboard here a minute ago. Then it went off my screen for soccer. In my world, uh, Fred, Phil's winning. Oh, uh, Daniel Berger, uh, Tony Finau, also Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, all at three over. Justin Rose, I think he's going to win. Uh, he's at four over. Henrik Stenson, five over. And then there's Jim Furyk, Yurko's buddy, at six over. So look, he, Jim Furyk has shot at 73, a 71, and a 72. Those are not bad scores, you know. And uh, it's not like they all shot six over, five over. It's not like the leader is like 13 over. No, you know, it's in, three over. Right? It's you know it. The, so the course, so they screwed up. So they made the course too hard. Um, deal with it. You got to play the course. What do you guys think of the uh, conversation about? Uh, I want to see the professionals put up the numbers. Yeah, and and get birdies and eagles and have all this uh, scoring opportunity. Where some people are like, I like watching these professionals struggle like we do. The right. three of us do yeah. while playing golf. I have no problem with what I mean. If you're a big golf fan and you're watching it, I'd rather see birdies and eagles. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I went golfing yesterday. I five putted. That's not fun. Well, it's no, not good for anybody. Nobody was watching, even the people you were golfing with. But still, that's not fun. And I want to see professionals sink the putts and hit great shots. And I, I don't know. It's just I think they they the whole thing's a miss because you have the big names. I know Dustin Johnson and uh, Kepka are both there in the, in the final two pairings right. today, but you major names are not a part of the end of this tournament. Yeah, well, because the four they're guys. either they're either on the course right now or they didn't make the cut. Yeah. And to me, as a average sportsman, I'm not interested in not watching Tiger Woods. Or they cheated and should withdraw from well, the tournament yeah, that's and never the guy, golf again. That's the guy on the course right now. Never yeah. golf again. You should you should take away his green all the jackets. Phil right now take let's him away. See. What did he do? He's a Is disgrace he to the game. In fact, Phil he should he oh, should he acted like a twelve year old kid, the kind you want to send to reform school. Send him to reform school for golf. Phil's on seventeen so right now. Stupid. Is he really? So, so yeah. he's almost done and he he's shooting have to worry a, about he's anymore. almost done. Yeah, he's shooting a seventy on the day right now. Huh. Happy Father's Day, so. Phil. Get out of there. Yeah. Good for him. Get out of town. Get yeah. to the next place. or Good for him. Don't make a few wagers. Still got time for brunch. You know, speaking of making a few <laughs> wagers, we talked earlier about how New Jersey, um, you know, the, the Stu Finer made a big a bet, a $5,000 bet on the White Sox over the Indians last week and lost. Um, I know it's, it's quick to uh, anticipate anything or to hear anything, but the whole thing about legalized sports betting came down what about three weeks ago now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just like to hear something about what what Chicago and or what Illinois is doing. Well, they were supposed they were supposed to be a they were supposed to vote on it in the last uh, whatever meeting because then they were going to take their break. So break this. Just get they, the damn thing okay. The Illinois so congressman who was supposed to be putting it together, uh, who we had on Waddle and Sylvie was supposed to be putting it together and then going to present it. Well, 
the day he was scheduled to present it, uh, there were some allegations against mm. him. And uh, listen, the strategically placed uh, allegations from from what, if you read the reporting and whatnot. Ah, oh, all right. Uh, a and planted so, story, perhaps. Uh, not necessarily. Do a Google. Um, I you love politics. Yeah, and so I'm, I don't, I'm looking at the USGA leader. leader I don't right know now, so. what ever end up happening to it, but because we didn't hear about it. I don't think it. I don't no, think it, it probably didn't pass, or, yeah. they, or they didn't finish it in time, or he couldn't present it, or that doesn't something surprise like that. Me. It doesn't surprise me. I know that there's a lot of people out there, and I know most of the people that are gambling already don't really care. But there are other people. You know, I want to be able to walk into a convenience store and say, you know what? Here, give me, uh, give me ten dollars on, you know, um, Joe Madden's Cubs today as they play somebody. Uh, you know, just make it. Is you've seen the commercials. For the lottery right now, mm-hmm. yeah. where uh, a girl just gets her money back, a uh, young lady, she drives, so I guess she's not a girl, a uh, young lady gets her money back from the, and they said anything else, he goes, no, she gets in the car and they're playing the Oompa Loompa song or whatever, mm-hmm. and there's a lottery ticket they're trying to sell that's got Willy Wonka. Well, yeah. this is the, the same thing. Ticket. When you get your When you get your change back, you're going to say, okay... I got $5 back. Here, let me put five on the Cubs to win today. I mean, you'll get they'll get so much more money than they're getting, you know, well, hell, the state would get a lot of money because they're not getting any of that thing from the uh, illegal gambling that, that's not illegal gambling, but the gambling that Adam Abdallah is doing right now. Well, yeah. the state yeah. gets nothing. Yeah, I mean. Uh, just yeah. think about it. You know what's interesting about this whole story? And I don't think it's just a media thing. I hope something, I think it's, otherwise we're railing about nothing. Well, well, I, I think also, you know, because you hear people um, in your life, you, you go to a bar, you go, you know, someone you casually see and they're like, hey, sports gambling is now legal. And you're like, yeah. And then there's not like much more to the conversation mm-hmm. because it's like, no, well, it's, like it's, if you wanted to gamble already, you could be gambling. gamble. Yeah. And like we're gambling on the soccer games every single match. That's what Abdallah and I have done. And we have a group text where we're deciding which team we're putting money on Getting for each and every game. But yeah, we're not doing well right now. But still, you always have <laughs> you an opportunity. Again, didn't you? you always did, have yeah. an opportunity to make the money back. Did and, you bet the over in the Costa Rica game too? No. Oh, okay, good. Not every um, But but Fred, the the point is like people keep bringing up. Oh, it'll be legal. Oh, how great. Oh, we're gonna talk more about gambling and oh, sports. We're gonna cover it. Like, wasn't it being covered to begin with? Like I maybe I'm mistaken, but seventy percent of our football conversations we have in the fall, Abdallah, are about are gambling. About gambling yeah. you know? Like, are, are we not covering gambling already? Like, yeah. Maybe in my head, I just don't quite grasp this uh, false excitement for something that already exists. I think does that, that make sense? Like, well, I get that Fred would like to go into a convenience store and do it, and yes, that would be convenient. But like, it's. It, it already exists. I have a good example, though. Uh, back in the day, have you guys ever watched any movies? I know you usually don't watch movies that are older. No, um, that's not fair. But if you watch, just not my blue heaven. If you watch any of these that. older movies, if you watch any of these older movies, there'll be scenes sometimes where guys are playing the numbers, and yeah. they go down the street to the corner store and they play the number with their guy. Or there's a certain store that can do it. Well, you know what that turned into? That turned into the lottery. So now people that would never play the numbers or go find a guy play the lottery when they go to a convenience store just to pick up other stuff. They see the lottery. Oh, you know what? Give me a quick pick on this. Give me that. Give me that. That's what's going to happen with gambling. Sure. Is you're going to be, if you can gamble 
at you know certain places like a convenience store or you know while you're waiting for the third race in Arlington, you can bet on you know what's going to happen in the in the Cubs game this afternoon. You forgot to call your guy. Boom, you're going to maybe be able to make the state's going to be able to make more money. They're going to the number the amount of money they're going to make is going to be ridiculous. Sure, I, and, and they I don't should. Know why they they should wait. capitalize on it. Sure, yeah. they should. Well, the, because but you they need... should have done. I'm sorry. They should have done this years ago. Right. Then Maywood and Balmoral wouldn't have closed. Yeah. If Balmoral would have had slot machines and you know, back in the day. Or if they would have had slot machines or any of those things at Maywood, they would not have closed. If they would if you would have told them, listen, come on out, bet the ponies, and you can also bet on the baseball games or anything else that's going on, boom, there'd be more people there. Well, and the, they would have not closed. The problem is we're in Illinois. And that's so it. they want to like the state wants too much. Like, Illinois is going to be the one state that instead of uh, a 10%, or they, they're going to want 20%. And it's going to be like, well, no, I'm just going to keep gambling on my phone then and on right. the Internet. That's the difference. Is well, now hold it's on. All- no matter what the percentage is from the state, you already have your account set up. So why would you? You're not going to switch it anyway. Well, no, the difference is being able to get money and listen, faster. And exactly. I, get, I get Fred's That's point of difference. walking somewhere and doing it, but I'm not going to walk anywhere if I can just do it on my phone. <laughs> no, 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 no. But if you can do it on your phone. There are stores all over the place. Everyone orders on online no, no i understand that but if you could buy something but if you can do it on your phone the only difference that's going to change is if you can get your money easier and hassle-free right, right. like when yeah. you're in vegas and you walk up and they just hand you the 40 bucks of cash and you don't have to do anything else you're right that. that's easy not even that if you use like express bed or whatever for horses and you cash out you get your check within a week and you just cash it no problem it's not a big deal at all the problem is with the Bovadas in the sports book is that it comes as like a foreign check or whatever. A check. And then it's it's Canadian. And then you have to put it in your bank and there's like and there's, wait a while. And wait a while. Yeah. And like oh, they that's take, what the uh, money order stores are for about. No, they don't do that. They don't do money orders oh, oh, anymore. Right. <laughs> they do Canadian <laughs> checks. But but it's still so but that you don't get taxed on that. The difference is you get taxed on if you win over six hundred dollars. Like when we were at the when we were at the Derby, Waddle yeah. won over six hundred dollars on Express Bet, and like they shut his account down until he called and gave them more info. Right, like so, like he had to give yeah. them their full I mean, social security you know, number. Yeah, Eddie Olchek was on with you guys earlier in the week on the Cap Show. Yeah, and they were talking about the amount of money he had to pay when he won big money sure. at the track. And they usually, unless they've changed the rules, and they might have because I haven't gone to the track. In a while or consistently, I used to go all the time. Um, they Listen, Fred, where, you're talking to two guys who did, who never gone. No, so. been the one horse track. What they used the to, what they used to be, what they used to do is if you if it was more than six hundred dollars per dollar. So if you made a two dollar bet, you can make up to like eleven hundred and ninety nine dollars without paying taxes. But once you get okay. over twelve hundred, with like more than six hundred for dollar bet, then you'd have to you know sign the paperwork and all that other stuff. Now it may have changed a little bit. But you guys brought up Eddie brought up a great point too. You can take that off on taxes, your your uh, your losses. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you win something, my dad used to have us go around the track yep. and pick up the old, the losing tickets yeah. mm-hmm. because yeah. then you'd yeah. have them in a box yeah. and say, "Here, we won." My dad won and one time won six straight trifectas. Trifectas used to only be in the last race of the night. The trifecta you got to pick the first, second, third place finishers in a race. And at Sportsman's Park, way back in the day, which now is a beverage uh, warehouse that Rocky Wirtz owns, um, you they'd have the trifecta. We would go. He won Monday through Saturday. He won the trifecta. None of you know they range from like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars to two hundred dollars. But if you win a certain amount, you'd have to. So we 
gather up all the tickets. We'd have a box full of losing tickets, just hoping we'd one time win that big one. That didn't happen. So I don't know how we got off into this. It was just yeah, like well, gambling. Uh, so uh, let's uh, go back to the uh, conversation about Attendance. why people are not going to baseball. Because I think a lot of people connect the dots between gambling, legal gambling, and ballparks and going to sporting events because how do we get more people to attend? We have the article from the Wall Street Journal from Friday saying that Major League Baseball attendance has seen a sharp uh, decline in attendance this season, almost down 10%. The exact numbers are uh, from this date last year, 6.6%, and overall 8.6% down. It's the biggest decline in attendance for Major League Baseball since 1995, the year following the strike after the canceled 1994 World Series. So it's not good. And if you say, all right, you know, it's just one year black, you know, OK, you're, you're making more out of this than there really is. In a couple decades since 95, the attendance numbers, positive or negative, haven't moved more than 1.9% in either direction. So it's a pretty steep decline that people are not attending baseball games this season. And I think it comes down to it costs too much to take a family to a baseball game for the amount of entertainment that you're getting. Like if I take if I have a family of 4 and I take that family of 4 to go see The Incredibles 2, it costs less and my kids are entertained more. And it's less of a hassle than dragging everybody to a baseball game, spending hundreds on tickets, spending more on food, spending more on parking and getting to the game, whether you drive to the game and park or you park farther away. Like if you're going to Wrigley and you've got to take a, a train to a bus or a, a CTA to, a, to um, uh, it's tough to get to. It's tough to yeah. get to. And then you got to get then you got to leave. And then you got to you also have to worry about the atmosphere that you're taking your kids to. You might have to worry about drunk people yelling Ugh. dumb stuff to. I still, around there. I still please. If I'm sitting around no, people, but you know what I'm saying. Please. No, hey, if I'm sitting around people and they're swearing, I'll I don't care what they're saying. I mean, sucks is okay. But if they're swearing, I'm actually going to say something either, either to them or the or the usher because that's not where you're supposed to be swearing. I don't care what year it is. Uh, you're not. That's not where. You, that's not. That's wrong. But if okay? I take that same fa- same family of four to a movie, we go to a daytime show. It's a little cheaper. We all get popcorn, sneak some extra bags in, s- uh, split up that popcorn. You know, do a little bit of shady stuff, whatever. Shady stuff. Yeah, why not? You sneak the little one. You put the little the other little kid in. You have the two kids go on top of each other and sneak them in as one kid with it's a raincoat. Good. Yeah, with a raincoat. You do the raincoat kid <laughs> okay. trick. No, you know, you guys weren't around when drive-ins were there. They used to stick a put few guys people in the, the trunk. trunk. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there is one thing. I mean, Sunday. Sundays on the south side, which happens to be today, uh-huh. the White Sox, $70 for a family of four in the lower deck, which includes parking. Now, that's great. Sure. But if they did that like three to four times a week, that would be even better. Well, now, And I understand it does get expensive. If you want to get good seats, now you can sit upstairs. Uh, that happens quite often. You can sit in the corners. You can sit in the in the outfield and uh, get lower price tickets. At Wrigley Field, you can't sit in the outfield and get lower price tickets. Bleachers are expensive. Yeah, they are. Well, you know, Fred, it's uh, the ticket prices are great, and I I think that um, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's the price. I get your point, Adam, and I get that other entertainment venues are uh, less expensive than going to the ballpark. But you can find your way to find some tickets that suit your price range. I I think it's more than that. I think it's the entire presentation of baseball to the consuming audience is starting to create this narrative that it's a game where almost nothing happens 
and you don't really have major marketable stars compared to, say, soccer or basketball or the NFL. And and I think what what it is is it's just like the entire package coming together and being this avalanche of little things creating a bigger issue because Mm -hmm. I I don't think it's necessarily oh it's too expensive we're not going to go you can find good tickets but see you're talking about nothing happening and you know every year this comes up you could take all the plays in the NFL. And yeah. put them within a half hour. Well, NFL and the games game takes are boring. three hours and fifteen minutes, and you go to games, so you know what it's like when they're you're boring. there and there's yeah. a TV timeout. Yeah, for you're sitting if, there like, uh, really? if uh, the NFL teams that are playing are not good teams and it's not a good competitive game, then it's mm-hmm. a boring atmosphere because there's so much dead time during an NFL game if you're sitting in the stadium. You know, so like if you you got the prices, you got the dead time. You have the way the sport is shown on TV. So let me ask you this. I'm, uh, I'm watching the game the other day, the uh, day game against the Brewers. Now, picture your TV set and what you're watching during a baseball game. The two most important things on the screen 90% of the time are what? The pitcher and the batter, right? Mm-hmm. And where do they locate the pitcher and the batter? Right dead center, right? Right. On the left and on the right, you have almost... What? Half the screen on either side because the pitcher and the batter line up with each other. So you have almost half of the screen on both sides empty with nothing. Now, I'm under the impression that baseball is this great analytical sport where splits, uh, numbers, what a guy's done in the last 10 days, what he's done in the last five days, what what he's done with runners in scoring position, what he's done against the current pitcher, what he's done against the team, all this great information that I can look up on my phone. Or I can look up while I'm sitting at home with my laptop on my lap. But why is none of that information? I get that they flash it up occasionally at the bottom. But if you're baseball, we are so used to, in this culture, of watching shows that have a rundown on the left or right side of the screen. Something scrolling at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't baseball take the left-hand side of the, the screen, the panel... And just give you a full breakdown of all the split stats on every batter that's out there. Show you the the defensive strategy, all this stuff. But baseball, for all intents and purposes, looks just like it did 10, 15 years ago. Even though we know that numbers are so important and it's what drives the conversation. Until they show the stupid stat with what the scoring probability is when there's runners a second and third and one out. Which to me never makes any sense because you don't know if that's that bad. Mm -hmm. But they show that one all the time. But Fred, if the one thing I find myself doing all the time at home is I'm watching a game. Here comes Anthony Rizzo to the plate. The first thing I do, on my lap, I have my computer, I go to baseball reference, I go to his splits, and I look at all of his splits. Why can't I ever see that on a TV screen? I know yeah. occasionally they, they flash it up there, but flashing it up and then removing it doesn't do me any good. Why can't it just all of the stats right there on the on the left-hand side? It's baseball. Nothing's happening for 80% of the screen. It makes no sense to me if you're going to sell your sport to having numbers and all this data and all the, the um, time spent in the season 162, well, we should be able to consume that data as easy as possible. I shouldn't have to have a second device on my lap looking up each player's bio on BaseballReference.com while the game's going on. Let's go to Corey real quick out in Kearney. Corey, what's up? Hey, guys. Yeah, I just uh, heard your, your conversation, and I, I think it, you know, having kids myself, that lacrosse is really becoming a popular sport. It's more active sport for the kids. 
when my son played baseball, it lasted two hours. He maybe swung the bat three times and, you know, maybe fielded the ball three times in two-plus hours. And I really think that, uh, you know, the introduction of lacrosse is just its more every kid's involved. Well, and and, there, and and Corey, we appreciate the call. There are other there are other sports that are getting involved, and kids are more interested in certain things, not interested in baseball. But it's funny we had a guy on uh, with Murph two weeks ago, a guy that wrote an article from ESPN, I want to say, and they were saying that believe it or not, if you look at the National Sporting Goods um, uh, Society, National Sporting Goods Association, they do a um, a thing, and there are actually more people playing baseball now than there were before. So surprisingly, you may not think that, but there's no reason for the sporting goods people to lie, okay? There are more people playing the game of baseball right now, gloves, bats, all that kind of stuff, than there were actually a little while um, before this. I mean, yeah, but think about it, though. Yes, that can be the case, but you everybody like needs their own glove and everybody needs all that kind of stuff. You only need one basketball and you only need one soccer ball and only one kid has to have that. Yeah, there's less equipment. There's less, less equipment. I was thinking about that and like, watching the World Cup. The and other look day. at the and look at the attendance. Uh, for for the Bulls, like if you look at the attendance for the bad teams in baseball, it's down. Well, the Bulls were one of the bad teams. They led the league in attendance. People, regardless of whether or not your team is bad, people still want to well, watch. It's the presentation of the sport and the fact that MLB removes video from social media. So, like, here's the thing: the reason the NBA and NBA Twitter and and sharing videos has taken off, and po- part of the popularity of the of the league has taken off. Is because if I see something and I tweet about it, I'll send a picture of it, right. or I'll send a video that I shot myself. The NBA doesn't take down my video. Yeah. If you do that, Fred, like, hey guys, look at this game that's going on. Baseball will take down your video if you share a video that you shoot yourself of their baseball. Okay, let me ask you a question real quick. We got to take a break. We got the summer of Nick coming uh, up. I mean, uh, Nick can can, but, can hold. But here's for my us. Uh, the, this Nick the one guy. question I have is, yeah. you know what what Abdallah just mentioned. Another reason people aren't going is the the teams that are tanking in baseball. Okay, it's a little bit different. In basketball, you have 41 home games. In baseball, you have double that total, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to know what the Philadelphia 76ers drew the four years they were tanking. Were their numbers a lot less than they were this year? I would think they were. Yeah, they and, probably were. And the White Sox, they're not trying to win this year. They didn't try to win last year. Now the odds are, when they do try to win, they're going to get more people coming to the ballpark. People don't want to go to a, a place where they're not necessarily expecting to win. Now the players are trying to win, but you know the player, the quality of the players isn't isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately for the White Sox, when the Tigers come to town, like today, I can't tell you how many people I saw in the L the other day that are from Detroit because they know they can come on down and get a nice seat. Okay, the same with Detroit too. Detroit used to have nice crowds. Now yeah. anybody can go up there. That and. Personally, I love it when the ballparks are not full because you can sit wherever you want. You relax. You spread out. You go to the bathroom. You get your food. Everything works out. Yeah, great. I mean uh, the rules could change, uh, the prices could change, the teams tanking could change, but I think it's overall a statement on what people today want to consume. And unfortunately for baseball people, it seems as if it's not going to see live baseball. We'll see how things go. We will talk with Nick. He's uh, you know Cubs are out of town, so he's not watching any live baseball. We'll see what's up with the summer, and Nick, and also uh, talk a little basketball as the NBA draft comes up on Thursday. Don't forget it'll be uh, Jay Hood. It'll be Chris Black and Nick Friedel doing their draft show right here on ESPN 1000 on Thursday night. It begins six-ish? Yeah, six. Begins yep. at six right after Waddle and Sylvie, and it goes to who knows mark. when. Yeah, yeah Question like mark. a kid's party in That's middle right. school. So we will talk with Nick. We come back.
Uh, it's Black Abdallah Hubner here on ESPN 1000. Drums, please. This is Chicago's game day. I've made it a point to go try and see all the festivals that I've been missing in Chicago. Oh, yeah, dude, it's summer. That means we got to buy fireworks. There's always something going on. I think I may go hit the Old Town, is it the Star Art Fest, Fair, yeah. Street Fair. There's, there's got to be something going on every day. All right. Everybody in the pool! <laughs> this is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Oh, it is the summer of Nick that we're celebrating here on Sunday mornings. Black Abdallah Hubner here, watching Germany lose to Mexico right now. Or I guess it would be Mexico leading Germany. Yeah, but when I since I'm wearing my I know since I'm wearing my Germany jersey, it would be um, Germany trailing Mexico. Uh, and I'm sure Nick has this on TV. He, I, I'm sorry we are bothering Nick for the summer of Nick as we're you know getting ready to go. And we're going to talk about the NBA too because Nick Friedel knows all. Let's go to Nick, our guy. See what's up with the summer of Nick. Hey, Nick, what's up, guys? Happy Father's Day. How we doing today? Happy Father's Day to Happy you, Father's Nick. Day, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> How's brunch? Good? Brunch with the Greenbergs is great. Uh, John tells people that he has two uh, regular-sized children, and then he says he has a large adult son. That would be me. Well, that's true. So, yeah, John's right. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, all three of you yeah, order so the nuggets. So, so that when he introduces when he introduces the family now, it's like these are my two kids, Gabe and Sloan, and then my large adult son, Nick. Well, you know, it's nice that you were able to join us. Have you before we get into basketball talk? Is there anything? Last week you were talking about things you did and 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 were planning on doing. What have you done over the last week? I, I drove past Oshivaldi the other day. I was going to go in and look for you, but it was it was the middle of the day on Thursday. I said, Ah, he's got to be somewhere else. There's no way he could be here now. <laughs> but what are, what are some of the things that you did this week? Because it was a it wasn't a bad week until it got to be pretty warm on Thursday and then Friday and stuff like that. So what have, what have you done this past week here in the uh, summer of Nick? Freddie, the last couple days, I've been going to the Rand- the Taste of Randolph Festival. And, man, oh, man, it's a party. What did you taste? It's, it's like I didn't really taste anything except uh, several alcoholic beverages. But uh, I-, I walked by. There's there's an international McDonald's because that's like the, the home of-, of McDonald's headquarters now. That was interesting. I had never seen that. I'm like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing things. I've been trying to walk more, trying to get in a little shape here before the new season starts, and I'm seeing things uh, all throughout the city that I've never seen before uh, that are pretty awesome. Like uh, Freddie, I was walking past like the the uh, Ukrainian museum yesterday. I was over by uh, Ukrainian village. Did you go never in? Or did that. you go in, or did you no. just walk by? You just walked by. It was closed. Oh, okay. It was closed. Okay. I have to, but I put it on the list. The sure. List Growing. I mean, if anybody has suggestions aside from the festivals that pop up every weekend, I mean, tweet tweet them at us because I will go check things out now because I've got a little time. This week's going to be a little more hectic. And and guys, I can't stress enough <laughs> whether I was in Ukrainian Village or, or at one of the festivals or I've been walking more by the lake uh, these last few days just trying to get some steps in. Everybody wants to know who the Bulls are going to take. <laughs> I mean, truly, it is it is comical. It's like, who are the Bulls going to take? 
And then I, I'm leaning towards Carter right now, Wendell Carter from Duke. Uh, and then they say, well, are they going to be any good soon? And I say, well, probably not, but you never know. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it's been fun, and i gotta, I got to give credit to my man, Mr. Black, because he told me that I needed to staycation here uh, this summer. And this is the longest I've ever been in one place without some kind of either travel for work or travel back to Orlando uh, to, to see my family or to Vegas uh, to, to go see uh, the blackjack table. It's the longest in nine years I've ever stayed in one place without going somewhere else. So it's been fun, and I know we got a, a few more months here to go exploring. Nick, why would you go Carter over Mikel Bridges for seven for the Bulls? Uh, because I think that Carter, Chris, can, can do a little bit more in the sense that He's a big man, uh, big man, and you can get him down on the blocks, and he's got a post game, but he can shoot it. Uh, and in order to uh, to to really take advantage of the way the league has changed in the last few years, you've got to have big men that can space the floor uh, and can can knock down from from all over the place. And Bridges can shoot the heck out of the ball too, uh, and and he has shown flashes of being a really solid defender. But I think right now, uh, Carter is probably the better all-around player. And I know that the Bulls like the way he looked uh, in, in his private workout a couple weeks ago at the Advocate Center. So uh, a lot can change, as we know, uh, over the next few days. I'm sure it will. Uh, but all things being equal, assuming that Bamba is off the board, uh, I think that right now Carter's probably the guy. But, you know, with this team... Like all the other teams in the league, you're never sure until that pick is called and Adam uh, Silver stands up there at the draft. So who do you think the Bulls are highest on? That's who you're the highest on. Who do you think the Bulls are highest on? Oh, that's got to be Grayson Allen, doesn't it? Oh, no, no. They're going to trade up for Grayson Allen. They can get him at 22. Freddie, that was years of watching Bulls drafts oh. all the way, all the way through. Right there, that was impressive. <laughs> that was impressive. But look, I, I think that like the rest of the world, Mister Abdallah, they they like the guys at the top of the draft. I mean, no, no joke, really. I, but truly, that's the, those are the guys they put uh, the time in. I mean, everybody loves Aiden, uh, Gar, and several members of the staff have been over to see Doncic's uh, most. Um, you know, most of the time throughout the season, so they're very well versed on him. They've seen Bagley. I mean, those those are the guys that uh, that every, has everybody's attention, and they're waiting to see if anybody slides, and then maybe they can make a move on draft night. But as far as the the guys with where they're picking, I mean, I I think there are a lot of people in the building that that do like Mamba. The question on Mamba is, will he be there? A, but B. Can he shoot it the way you need to shoot it uh, in this new era of basketball? Uh, so he's got to figure that out, and he's got to develop that over time. But if you're the Bulls, I mean, this is the ultimate. If you stay at seven, you've got to pick whichever player you feel most confident in. And I don't believe uh, that they're going to make any kind of move, even if he's there on Porter. I know a lot of fans are wondering, you know, could he be the guy? There are people that want Trey Young. There are people that, that want to stay, you know, as far away from Trey Young as possible. This is what I'd say, though, and 
And this goes back to, to Capsule's uh, point on Mitch Trubisky uh, a year or so ago. If you're the Bulls, you've invested a ton of, of hours for, at this point, several years on picks in this class. And if there is a guy on draft night that you feel strongly can change the course of your team, then you've got to take him. And, I mean, if it's me, guys, I'm not taking Trey Young and I'm not taking Michael Porter. But if they believe that one of those guys can be that difference maker, then they go for it. Then see what happens. Because that, uh, that is always what pops up on draft night. Because so many people have such a quick rush to judgment. It's not just in the NBA. We've seen the NFL for years now. But we're going to sit there, we're going to listen to all these picks be, uh, be called off, and people will say, oh, I hate this pick, I love this pick. Well, let's see how the season plays out. And in the Bulls' case, you've got to pick the guy that you think can help most. Uh, and if, if it's one of these guys who aren't as popular, so be it. This is why you pay your front office what you pay them, and this is why you trust them to make the picks that they've got to make. Nick Friedel joining us. Don't forget, he'll be with Jay Hood and Chris Black on Thursday for the ESPN 1000 draft coverage. Uh, the big story that broke on Friday was the whole story about Kawhi Leonard. Uh, what's your opinion on the story that came out? And do you think there's a possibility that on draft night, um, Kawhi Leonard gets moved? And you think there's a possibility the Bulls could be involved? Uh, Freddie, I don't think the Bulls will be involved. I think they're so far away from being in any kind of legit contention for uh, you know either a playoff spot or uh, you know some kind of championship contention that that's just years away. So no, I I don't think the Bulls, even though they have some pieces, uh, are going to be anywhere near that conversation. Uh, as far as how it may play out on draft night, I mean it's always a possibility. I would lead towards uh, likely no though, because if you're the Spurs, you want to. Make sure that you continue to, to see if, uh, if Kawhi will change his mind and if he'll feel differently, uh, you know, uh, a couple months from now than maybe he does at the moment. So with a player as talented as Kawhi Leonard, if you're San Antonio, you're, you're just, you're not going to just say, all right, let's just cut it right now. Uh, and even more, you know, there's so much talk around the Lakers. Uh, if you're the Lakers, you know, you're saying you're calling Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, constantly saying, "All right, let's get this done." Uh, to me, Freddie, the, the team that would make most sense as far as the deal may work is Boston. I mean, Boston has so many young, talented pieces that are on uh, you know rookie deals still or cost control deals. That's the team. If if a move is going to be made and San Antonio ultimately signs off on it, that's the move uh, and the team I think would work the best. But uh, I don't see anything happening in the short term. I think this is one of those storylines that will play out throughout the summer. And then, you know, later on, if San Antonio decides, all right, this just isn't going to work anymore, uh, then they gotta, they've got to make the move and get the best haul that they can get back. All right, Nick. So just like the World Cup, your summer will reach its peak the weekend of July 14th and 15th when it is the Roscoe Burger Fest, correct? No, 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 no. You're forgetting about something here in the in the old summer of Nick. The taste of Nick? Mr. Abdallah. I have, I have gone five years straight to the Cubs series in San Diego. And what? That's not Chicago. That's not Chicago. No, that's what not you, Chicago. What are you doing? Do you no, not what is get wrong the bit? with you? Do you, Do you not, not understand, understand the bit? What this is? It's the first day of the bit. You already don't get the bit? 
No, I get the bit, but here's what we're forgetting. <laughs> because they're going to send me to Vegas for Summer League. So I'm already going to be out that way. So we can continue We can continue the, the Chicago tales once I get back, but I can't miss that series. And as somebody who has gone five years in a row now, the amount of Chicago people who either fly out for their trip uh, for the season out there or Chicago transplants who come out there from either L.A. or Arizona or wherever it may be, it is gigantic. Those are like three massive home games for the Cubs out in Southern California. What do you like? The, what do you like? The travel agent for people stay home and go to a burger <laughs> yeah, Nick, festival. Since, it's a literal you, burger since festival. Since you don't of get the, the bit, what's the peak of Chicago summer, <laughs> Nick? Do you not, do you not understand what we're doing here? Maybe. Oh, I, you, I, you all have taught me about the the radio bits for years. I I am well versed now. Commit I, to the bit, as, Nick. I know, I know, I know, but I'm trying to think, like, what is the peak moment? I don't think we've gotten there yet. I don't That's think the, you can write down, okay, this is this is where it's going to really, really be at its, at its peak. I mean, it's just a, it's a week-by-week process. I'm learning more about the city. I'm learning about more about what's going on around here. I went to the uh, Museum of Modern Art. Uh, that was on the list. I'm going to the uh, Aquarium. Uh, later this week. I mean, it's just we got to take it one Wait, step. Wait, what day are you going to the aquarium? Uh, I was thinking, I was thinking Wednesday, but I think with the with the draft that may be tough because I still have flashbacks to when I was sitting at Wrigley a couple years ago, and I looked down at my phone and the the Bulls uh, had traded Derek, and I went in all my Cub gear to the Advocate Center, and I still hear about that from. Uh, from some of my friends within the office. The there. Bulls have traded for Kawhi Leonard. I'm at the Dolphin Show. <laughs> I can't leave. <laughs> dolphin Show. Yeah, they have a Dolphin Show. Except they don't do okay. tricks. It's We're like done. it's like what they do okay. in the wild. Bye, Nick. Nick, we gotta we gotta go. We're running out of time here. Uh, right, so is guys. Germany. <laughs> yeah, so is Germany. Is correct. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> jumping out. We'll talk to you again next week, Nick. Oh, you got it. You got it. And Nick Friedel, the uh, summer of Nick, and uh, he'll be with us until he's not, until he's in San Diego. Oh, no. What's going to happen to Nick? He'll be with us until he's not. Until he's not. And for those who missed Nick, you'll catch him on Thursday night, the ESPN 1000 draft coverage. Jay Hood, Chris Black, Nick Friedel, and uh, they'll have all kinds of fun with the draft. The Bulls with the seventh overall selection. We come back, we'll wrap things up in a nice little package for you. They probably have a Mexican bow on top. Uh, We come back right here on ESPN 1000. (laughs) This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I ain't talking anymore. Germany loses. Fred has left the building. Yeah, Germany loses their World Cup opener. So now I know how, well, no, Spain drew. Now you know how Egypt feels. Yeah, I do. And Egypt, let me ask you a question. And by the way, uh, Mexico, one nothing winner over Germany today. As we're wrapping things up here on ESPN Yeah, 1, the game 000. just went final. Yeah. So, yeah. What happened? Why did the guy on Egypt foul the guy with, like, under 30 seconds to go? I don't know. Down, the, down the right side of the field. All he's he, dumb. All he had to do is play defense, and, the, and all he had to do is play defense, and the game's over. Why didn't anybody guard a wide-open man in the box on the, on the kick? Why? No. Because they're bad. Because they're bad at soccer. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That can't be. Why good. didn't any Germans score today? Yeah. Well, they had they had numerous opportunities. It's a big net. My buddy Pete, 
My buddy Pete always said, you know, soccer, you see these guys take shots and they miss. It's kind of like trying to hit a bus yeah, and they miss it. You would think they can do it. But you know what? It's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of balls go over the net. A lot of balls go wide. You know what this almost guarantees, though, is Mexico is probably going to get out of Group F. You know, because Germany is the favorite in the group. Mexico now gets three points off a win. They should probably beat South Korea. Right. They're probably going to be the second team out of Group F to get out of that group. Well, the odds are they'll be. They could be the first. Well, yeah, yeah, but they they as not being the favorite now, Germany is in for a fight. Well, now the problem, the thing is, what happens is the the importance of finishing first or second in your group is the second place team plays the first place team from the other group. Right. So you know, as you're the first place team, you play the second place team. So you may play the team that just barely got in, not as good. So Germany's just making it tougher on themselves because I can't. If they lose to South Korea, then they deserve to go home. But uh, yeah, you know, so it'll be interesting at least to me, and a lot of other people watching soccer. Brazil plays later on today. They play Switzerland, and uh, that's a match that shouldn't be very, very close because Brazil's another one of the favorites. But then again, there's been some very close matches. And we had Kevin Egan on earlier today. He was right about Iceland. Iceland actually played real well in the European Championships. And their whole whole Icelandic clap and all, the Viking clap and all that kind of stuff. You're mentioning the the groups in the 16 round. So uh, if Germany is the second seed out of group F, they will face Brazil. Right. And so Ooh! that worked yeah. out pretty well yeah, right? last time. So that worked out well last time they faced Brazil. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a ta- that is a mega showdown for the round of sixteen if that's the way it plays out. If Brazil wins group E like we assume they will, and if Germany is the second team out of group F in the round of 16, you'd have Germany and Brazil facing off. You'll hear uh, ESPN stats and info. Germany's seven-match winning streak in World Cup openers snapped. It was tied for the second-longest streak in World Cup history. Mexico is the first non-European team to shut out Germany at the World Cup since Brazil in 2002. So it seems like a long time ago, but there's only a couple couple of World Cups Let's ago. Let's see. Uh, Abdallah, you have Germany in the uh, World Cup pool at work here. No one cares about our pool. You don't well, I'm just up. saying you uh, went against uh, who has Mexico? Uh, oh, Chris Black. Oh, and I get three points and you have zero. Congrats for your number one seat of Germany. Nobody, getting no nobody cares. Nobody, no, not a single person listening no, cares about Mellor, our They don't Mellor's care about the listening. standings, but it's fun to rub it in your face that you lost, sir. Your team lost. Rub something in your face. I think Mellor's listening. Yeah. So, but, uh, he's not. One of my kids. He's not listening. <laughs> There's no way Mellor's listening. No, you're right. There, right now, Nitzberg no leads the station with seven Shocking. points. Shocking. The of course stack, he does. The, the stack, stack guy. guy. Carmen has five points. Mellor with four. Black with three. Pastor three. Yurko three. Delvit two. Abdallah zero. Wayne Dres from ESPN yeah. tweets: It's going to be one heck of a day south of the border. Congrats to Mexico. <laughs> so. Uh, the World Cup continues. We appreciate Kevin Egan from BN Sports jumping on. You can catch the extra Russia, 6 o'clock on BN Sports. Jesse Rogers, he's got nothing to do this afternoon, so if you know him, give him a call. Uh, he'll be at the uh, Cubs game with the Cardinals tonight, a game you can see on ESPN. And Nick Friedle, another guy with, I don't know, he didn't say what he's doing today, did he? He's no, going to the, he's going to the aquarium oh, later he, in the week. Yeah, he had brunch already, so probably like Sleep. a five-hour nap. Yeah. yeah. So, but if you if you know Nick, give him a buzz. Just keep him away from I don't know what else, whatever else you plan on doing. Black Abdallah Hubner, thanks to Eric Ostrowski, all their help right here, right here, ESPN One Thousand.